Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Brooks! Goodbye! Jonathan Brooks! 54 yards for the Texas touchdown. 365 Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High-quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important. So is your budget. Empty backfield for Williams. He's got a wing back and a receiver boundary side right. High snap, yanked down, sets to throw, scans to his right, scans back to his left. Is he going to run now? Now he fakes running the near side. He's going to whip it downfield, and it is caught at the 35-yard line across the field, running to the right side. He's being chased by Woods. Can't get him. 10-5 end zone. Touchdown. 365 Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, protecting Texans since 1952. Have you subscribed to our YouTube channel? Search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank for life. So that is a costly penalty that puts Kentucky back on the field. And then Ray Davis, all day Ray. Look at him go. Man, oh man, is Davis doing it up. 75-yard touchdown for sweet baby Ray. 365 Sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. Anias coming near side. Anias Smith, he's to midfield, cuts it back. This one may go to the house. Ain't nobody going to catch Anias Smith. Now here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. And good afternoon here on a Wednesday, 365 Sports in studio. I'll take you up until 6 o'clock Central. And we are loaded up today with guests, including Texas Tech head football coach Joy McGuire, Ricky Thompson, Baylor Radio Sidelines, Tim Brando, Fox Sports, Mac Rhodes, Baylor Director of Athletics, and Scott Drew, National Championship coach in 21 season. He will join us in Paul's Top 5 today. Uh, this is that stretch that Craig mentioned the other day. I think it was actually yesterday with Off the Radar. 49 consecutive days there will be football, either college or the NFL, and it all starts tonight. There'll be games on Tuesday starting next week. Jacksonville State at Middle Tennessee State tonight. Florida International will play at New Mexico State. There's the rest of the schedule, including Friday, Kansas State, Big 12 at Oklahoma State in Stillwater. 49 days to get your IV of football, college football, or the NFL tonight and throughout the next month and a half. 
Yep, here's where it started. I love uh, I love that Maction will be starting all those things. Way to go! I don't know how about like I don't know how much of those games I'll watch, but I love football. So at least if there's there's always something on. There's always a game. Always a game. So if you don't have enough to get your fix, you're about to have it for 49 consecutive days. Yeah, that'll be cool. I mean, especially if you're, you know, uh, a sicko out there who loves, like, every ounce of every, you know, possible matchup uh, from from really, um, you know, the big, you know, premier Oklahoma-Texas-type games to the, you know, pair of games that we'll get tonight. Um, yeah, if you're just a football fan and you want as much as you can possibly get, or, you know, I'd imagine this is probably the best news for a lot of the gamblers out there is you've got now 50 consecutive nights of a football game that you can uh, bet on. Uh, I think that's probably really... <laughs> Welcome news as well. So, yeah, uh, it's getting kickstart, you know, kind of the falls rolling in. We can kind of feel it here, yep. even though it's still humid as all get out. But it feels sort of like there's a ch- there's actually wind blowing in Texas right now, or at least in this part of Texas. So it feels like falls rolling in. And, uh, you know, that and football just go together in my head. And so 50 straight nights is going to be pretty awesome. I don't know, like Paul said, how many of those I'll check out when all is said and done. But um, when I'm flipping through channels and there's a game on, that's going to you know make me stop more often than not. Yeah, so, yeah, it's going to be cool. I think I'll sit there and watch it. It depends also what the score might be, what part of the game it might be. By the way, Rangers and the 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 Rays, bottom uh, top of the fourth inning, Rangers with a one-game-to-none lead, best of three, and uh, they are up 2 nothing. They just got a blue pit. Th- uh, excuse me, 4-0. <laughs> just got a blue pit that scored a couple more runs, so they lead the Rays. No, Evan Carter just run. turned on one. Okay, I missed that while I was right looking at stands, so, All right, yeah. They got a blue pit. Adolis Garcia had a home run, mm-hmm. a blue pit, and then Evan Carter, a 21-year-old megastar in the making, hit one out, and the Rangers lead the Rays right now 4 to nothing. Yeah, you, uh, I guess, just took your eyes off for a second, and he went yard and uh, added a couple more. So, yeah, long way to go, but, um, you know, they're off to a nice little start, and you can see the Tampa crowd hushed. I know that, uh, you know, we're not talking baseball 24-7 on here, but with the Rangers in action, Astros in action, it's just kind of all around us right now, and, and all of us have, you know, Oh, sorry, Paul, not you this postseason. But you, you, you've been the around these years. Texas teams yeah. long enough that, you I, know, you're interested in I, what's going on I, here. I rep for my dad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. Exactly. Uh, and uh, so there's that. Also, uh, this story, the transfer portal, the NCAA will still have to approve this, but the transfer portal saying that they're going to cut it back, uh, reduced to 45 days in all sports, uh, 30 days after the season, 15 days in the spring for football, men's basketball. You see the number, 45 days. Right now it's split up over a couple of different sections, chunks. It will still have that as far as football is concerned, but it will be down from, what is it, 60 days to 45 days. They still have to prove it with the NCAA Council. Yeah, um, and I still don't know if they're actually going to, like, they're trying to enforce it this year with some controversial decisions that were possibly grandfathered in. But I'm not being old school, get off my lawn. I do think it got to the point where it was so widespread. You do need to have... At least here is when you can enter. Here is when you can, you know, make decisions. And and you can't just do it at any time randomly. Well, yeah. Look, two things can be true. Like, yes, you can fix a rule that was kind of getting difficult to enforce and difficult for coaches and universities and everybody to navigate through in a reasonable calendar amount of time. But you can also make a terrible, stupid decision that – 
is very short-sighted and retroactively do it when you have, I mean, coaches telling players, coaches telling players to get in the portal. This is like that, what the NCAA did about it this year with all these decisions was you also eliminate the fact that you have, yeah, you have players that went of their own volition and the coaches would have liked them to stay, but they went and left, you know, chasing NIL dollars or whatever it was. But you also had a bunch of players that coaches told to get in the portal and then can't be eligible because they did what the coach told them to do. Uh, very famously, the video of, of Deion Sanders told people to get in the portal. Well, I mean, if the coach tells you to do it and you do it, then NCAA shouldn't really be able to punish you for that, you know, because they made a rule. They could have just started it the next year and been out of all of this. Yeah, no, I'm sure there's no perfect way to go about doing it, Craig. Yeah, I don't have any scorching hot opinions on, you know, a lot of these rules and these tweaks that they're making. Uh, I know there's another one that's uh, involving uh, the photo shoots that I'm sure we'll probably get to. And so, uh, to me, it just seems like they're just trying to sort of tighten up the calendar. And, and I think it really is, as much as anything, just a benefit for the coaches and staffers involved to try and alleviate some of the 365-day-a-year you know, sort of uh, job that they're that they're in currently, where it does feel like there's something, you know, and there's never ending dates that you have to be doing one thing or another, and there's no real breaks in the in the calendar. So I think that they're trying to create some some of that and just tighten up the ship a little bit, which I don't see as a bad thing. I, I mean, what are we what are we asking for? Just unlimited, like you can just do whatever, whenever. So you know, I, I don't think this is that big of a deal. I do think if you're one of those players. Uh, you're going to have to pay particular attention to what the calendar looks like for your particular sport because it's going to be different depending on sport. But based on what I was reading, I mean, as soon, if the season's end approaching and you feel like you've got to – you're probably leaning that way, I mean, be ready. Like, as soon as the season's over with, you better be ready to hop in that bad boy if you hadn't already and, and you know, get yep. to work on your visits and, and figuring out what you're going to do uh, next. So, yeah, I mean, this has been something they've been tweaking ever since it, you know, was created. And, uh, you know, it's not that big of a deal, I guess, to us on the outside looking in in the long run. Uh, we'd have to talk to student-athletes, see how it really affects them. But I think this is just trying to, like I said, create some space and some time off and, you yeah. know, just make it a little sharper. It was almost like you open up the dam and you're like, oh, damn, where's the, where are we going to get the water to go? You know, mm-hmm. like it, and, and in a way, it was just the floodgates open with NIL transfer portal, then the extra year from COVID. The NCAA Council permanently drops the new player limit for football. Remember, there was the scholarship limit you could bring in. I think that's been basically just completely wiped out because you've had G.J. Kenny, Texas State. You've had Dion at Colorado, among other schools, that have brought in 50-something players or more or had that kind of a, a changeover in their roster. But the 25 limit was also based on signing players, scholarship players. So they're going to now – that basically has been eliminated, uh, the initial counter limit for both the FBS and FCS. Max Olson put it uh, best in, like, look, you couldn't put the two – toothpaste back in the tube and also um, it's really hard to maintain competitive balance when you have 85 scholarships and you can't get to 85 scholarships because the number because you've got these wonky things and so if you have 85 scholarships available every year and you lose 31 people out of your program and the new coach has to go get 31 new guys and he has only 25 scholarships available to do that that means he's going to have 79 scholarship players that he can go get, and then he's going to have to give scholarships or not use them for on walk-ons. So there is, 
there is certainly, yeah, they've just, the way that the rules are now, it doesn't make sense to limit the overall number of, of signings in a year. And you just have to keep under the 85 scholarship limit, but it, you should be able to sign to the scholarships you have available because the big boys, like, George is never going to have a year where they're like, at 78 scholarships going, well, what do, what do we do here? Yeah. They're going to have 85 scholarship players, but there could be a, a situation where Missouri, who's in Georgia's division and plays them, is in that same spot, and they're like, oh, we're kind of stuck here. Yeah, I think just post-COVID and uh, with the transfer portal, this is something you kind of had to do. So, yeah, just it's more tweaks and uh, makes sense to help out coaches and programs to better, you know, uh, round out their rosters and sure there will be some that you know play with the the rule more than others and, and go crazier than others as far as the number of guys um, but yeah let's see how this this plays out um, but yeah it's it's really just an answer to um, the chaos created when, when COVID hit and, and all the roster shuffling and the transfer portal and all those things so uh, again another rule where it seems like they're, they're not trying to put the genie back in the bottle they're just trying to I guess clean up, you know, as best they can and make it a little bit tighter, the, the rules. So um, in this case, it's actually freer because there's not that cap limit, but I'm curious to see how, you know, how individual programs go about using this because I'm sure there will be some extreme cases or two, whether it's a new coach coming in or, you know, just somebody has a, a mm-hmm. different type of idea of the way of doing things and flipping a roster that will be notable at some point in time that we'll be talking about. So, yeah, we'll see. We will have Mac Rhodes on a little after five as the AD. Uh, he was at Big 12 meetings Yesterday up in Dallas, and as Craig mentioned yesterday, all 18 schools, those two out here soon or in the summer, Texas OU have that huge game in Dallas. Uh, the four that are a part of it, along with the eight remaining, and then the incoming four had representatives at the meetings. We'll talk to Mac about that, plus a couple of these new rules and also ideas from the NCAA uh, Council. Here's another one that Craig mentioned. This is from Nicole Arbach. Uh, the NCAA uh, is also, whoop, there we go, they are now the Football Bowl Subdivision Oversight Committee introduced legislation into the pilot legislative process to prohibit during a football prospective student-athletes student athletes unofficial visits, institutional involvement arranging photo shoots, photogra- photographing the prospective student-athlete about accompanying the prospective student-athlete. In other words, all these photo shoots, it's a lot of words. They're basically almost the same thing. Go ahead. In English, it's a, basically yeah. if you're not an official visit, you're not getting the big photo shoots that you see all over Twitter and Instagram and TikTok, I'm sure, and you know all the, the jazzy, lit um, – well, you know, background sort of cool setups. Rotating. And, yeah, thing. rotating cameras and all that kind of stuff. You know, the infamous Brian Kelly photo shoot when he first got to LSU with, uh, you know, with a recruit and uh, the viral, what was it, the Florida player uh, recruiting his dad that yep. were on the visit, yeah. you know, stuff like that. I mean, if it's an official visit, you can still do that. But if it's unofficial, then you're no longer, you know, uh, having to, to do that if you're a, a you know, the staff that's involved. And so basically this is one where, again, I think they're trying to in some ways lighten the load in some areas. And so as you've seen, probably there are a lot of reactions of, you know, recruits probably won't like this because if you're on an unofficial visit to Texas A&M, you're like, I'm going to get my photo shoot. Now Texas A&M doesn't have to do that if you're not an official visitor. Um, But while that sucks for a player who's probably looking forward to that, uh, for the staffers involved, it seems from all the reactions that I've seen, SIDs and whatnot, they are absolutely thrilled over this news I would because think so. it will save them a lot of time, a lot of money, and, uh, yeah, a lot of headaches in some ways. And, again, that's for the unofficial visits. Yeah, it's unofficial. It also said here, Nicole Arbach, adding that parents or a mom can still take a picture 
of, of their son on a visit. Uh, that's possible, but as far as the school doing it and then things being splattered up on social media, that is not the case. It's it's uh, it's the unofficial visits, not the ones that are official. You could have somebody take an official visit and take two or three unofficial visits uh, along the way if that's the school that they're really serious about looking into. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a – it feels like a party pooper type of rule, doesn't it, where you're like, oh, the NCAA doesn't want fun. But I can only imagine the setup when you're having to, like – Slog through like 35 kids with photo shoots on any given, you know, Saturday recruiting camp visit type of a deal. So, like I said, probably not the most fun rule in our heads or for those who just love the, the, you know, concepts of those photo shoots and what comes from those. And certainly not cool for the recruits who will be on unofficial visits who like that type of thing. But, yeah, for the for the staffers, that's going to save oh. them a lot of time oh. and a lot of money. God, it's going to feel at some point like Little League photos. Like, all yeah. right, come on, get in yeah. here. And then you have, because you're recruiting, like, with Little League photos, it's like, all right, Billy, come on, come on. You're a home run hitter. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, go, 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 and go. And granddads but, and, yeah, and, and then you all that. I, uh, you and I... This is I, this is a funny story now, but we were on the phone together one time. I was at the Davy O'Brien Award, yep. and I was I was trying to I was waiting for my interview with RG three, and you're like, Paul, the show's going to be over, and I was like. I, I literally yelled out in the hallway, the bleep you want me to do, Smokey. Yeah. Everybody and their bleeping grandmother is getting pictures and all these permutations. And finally, he saw me and we yeah. got it done. But, like, it was, I was like, I can't. All these people who have paid this money to get here are just standing like, okay. They want now grandma and grandpa. Yeah. Now grandma and Tito. And you're like. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no. And Max Olson, by the way, saying that the photo shoots only on official visits, something Ohio State and fellow leaders in the personnel space have been pushing for, uh, and I don't blame them one bit. That's from Max Olsen. He'll join us tomorrow on 365 Sports, and there's the biggest fly. It's almost bumblebee size. It's uh, attacking the set. Also, uh, the uh, open, the portal, speaking of which, on the decision earlier to close out the number of days or shut down more, the, down to 45, will open this year on December the 4th. That's when the portal, that's right after championship weekend, and as far as conference championship weekend, the portal will open on December the 4th. Now, uh, Illinois, they play Friday at home against Nebraska. Their stadium had a fire. Away from the spectator areas, fire has been contained, extinguished. Facility will be evaluated over the next day or two, still at this point, but early indications that game with Nebraska can take place and it will not affect anything when it comes to Friday Look, night's game. I've heard I've heard of some people doing some crazy things to get out of playing powerhouses, but I mean Hey, it's a dumpster your, fire in Nebraska. Your but stadium is, on fire. Yeah, no. <laughs> this was in Illinois and Brett Bielema and, and what they're doing uh, with the fighting Illini. And then this one here, James Madison, they're really good. I believe they're five and oh. Last year they had a nice record. There's that two year waiver uh, window where when you join FBS you have to then wait two years to make sure you're not just going into FBS for a money grab, even in the smaller schools that are not a part of Power 5 or even the G5. And so they do that so that you don't just do it, get some money, and then you fall apart. And you also, so your, your roster transitions into playing at that level. Well, they are in that second window. They are proving that they belong in what they do. They, they in fact, last year at one point were ranked in the top 25 they're trying to see if they can drop the waiver. It's not going to happen. I can't imagine it's going to happen. But the Attorney General of Virginia did write the NCAA in asking them to change their mind. Yeah, I, I doubt that they're going to. And then, yeah, because they're having a good season. But 
they'll just have to have another good one. So, yeah, I mean, Sam Houston State is now going to be in that process. Teams that do move up, and, and there's probably as many examples of someone who moved up, and it's taken a while. Uh, heck, there's some schools that are FBS that have been a part of it for 10, 20, 30, 40 years that are struggling, but it's just, it's, it's, it's almost like a uh, probationary period, I think is the best way to put it, even if you're successful and also winning games. So there's that with James Madison. Yeah, I mean, they tried this back in the spring, and they were denied. So I guess uh, back to the table and try to give it a go, but most likely that'll be the same outcome. I understand where they're coming from. They've uh, not had the type of slow transition that normally that rule's like sort of there to protect in, in, a, in a way. Um, um, they've been, you know, right out of the gates just – full steam ahead and so uh yeah their their desire is understandable but uh yeah this was knocked back in the spring and so we'll see if this uh you know is a, a different turnout for them but just in general just kudos to James Madison and just the type of program that they have and how successful they've been uh, it's been fun to see them you know go up a level and not skip too much of a beat so you know I, I'd love for that to, to work out in their favor um I'm sure there's arguments you know for why it still shouldn't or whatever out there but um yeah it's understandable their position but also uh, unlikely that it gets passed but we'll see I, I like the fact that they're trying uh, Chris a $10 super chat guys yesterday you said the legacy of Baylor wide receivers in the NFL had been poor what Baylor players have been the biggest surprises in which the most disappointing to you over the years. I'm going to go back from when I arrived in 2010, and we can even go a little bit further than that, Paul, because you were here. But you had Corey Coleman that looked like a, an absolute no. He's gonna he was going to be a rock star, first round pick. Had a few moments, did not did not work. Josh Gordon, spectacular, in and out because of substance abuse. Uh, Terrence Williams had a nice run with the Cowboys, and then all of a sudden. He had some depression issues, and he got himself sideways because of an incident uh, when he was uh, at, at Cowboys right outside near the Star in Frisco. They have just had more players not make it than have made it at wide receiver. So so what Baylor players have been the biggest surprises and which are the most disappointing? So uh, this, I'd say most disappointing. Go ahead. Wide receiver, well, I wanted to get to the issue I, of the wide uh, yeah. receivers, I, if that's I, okay. Yeah. If there's players, then there's a lot more. At wide receiver, there have been pretty much nothing. But, like, you know, Kendall Wright had a good first couple years, but then kind of hit the wall. Um, you know, they, they really haven't. At wide receivers, it's been, it's been kind of a black hole. We'll see how Tyquan Thornton does. Again, can't stay healthy. Right. Denzel Mims, not healthy. So and the Tyquan thing, that with his body frame, that was always was the big concern even in college it was like can he stay healthy he's yeah. built like a twig and i don't mean that disrespectfully I mean, why just are he strong yeah. but yeah mm. and he got bigger like he put on a little bit of muscle but for him that's still not like super noticeable i mean he'd have to put on like 40 pounds of muscle for you to go like dang taekwon like what have you been doing he's not a josh he's the opposite of a josh he's, Gordon. he's not dk Metcalf. right yeah, yeah yeah he's not like built like that but yeah, that has been a problem for him, unfortunately. And you're right. I mean, he laid out some of the guys that have been drafted at wide receiver over the years. I think that's, you know, where this emanated from was just the fact that a lot of those guys haven't panned out. For me, to answer the question, uh, biggest disappointment is absolutely Corey Coleman. I mean, 100% is Corey Coleman. He had a monster year, went into Blitnikoff, uh, was just an, an all-around stud. And then his NFL career, like, they didn't get out of hard knocks and he was already going sideways. He had already, you know, had the embarrassing incident uh, where – they're showing him in his apartment. He's got all these boxes of Jordans that he'd bought with his rookie contract. He's a you know top twenty pick, and yep. then I mean, like an episode later, he's you know it's just all already crumbling. He hadn't even played a game yet, and and then you know obviously that was very short lived. And then he bounced around, and he's still like I think been in and out of just trying to remain in football. He's most recently in the USFL, 
And, um, yeah, that was just – that one to me, I was just sure that he was going to go to the league and be some badass receiver for somebody, and he just never got going. And right out of the gates, it was, it was you know, already veering off course. So, to me, that's definitely the biggest disappointment. Andrew Billings has had a longer career. He, remember, he slid in the draft when it was in Chicago, but he's been in the NFL every year since 2016. He continues to put together what maybe ends up being a decade career. Uh, Xavier Howard – uh, I never thought he would be as good. He was good at Baylor, but he's better in the NFL, one of the best defensive backs in the NFL. Obviously too early, but they have done what they did in college with Jalen Petrie and Terrell Bernard. Yeah, I'd say uh, – who did you just mention there? Xavier uh, Howard. Yeah, Xavier Howard, was, it's surprising like how big of a star he became as quickly as he did um, and the fact that he's really carried the mantle for them in the pros now for a few years and it's not even close he's been their biggest star yeah he's had some headlines recently off the field you're like dude but um on the field you know I I remember when he declared early for the draft and me and former coach were like what like what's he doing leaving early had no like there was no sense of like this dude will go be a, a high pick but he obviously had better people in his ear and um I guess we just didn't realize like how well he was being judged by we, NFL scouts. Yeah, and we sure enough, the, the draft when he got picked, it, the same with Corey Coleman and Andrew Billings, all that same draft. Yeah. And we were like, I mean, okay. Yeah. You know, like you guys know better than us. Gil Brandt. We were in the car with Gil Brandt that night. Yep. And we asked Gil about Zayvon Howard. He's like, oh, he's fantastic. He's fantastic. I was like, is he though? Yeah. And he's, he's, he's Gil pretty was right. good. <laughs> he, yeah. He was pretty good. He just, I don't think it ever just crossed our minds that he was like top of the second yeah. round NFL draft good. And, mm. you know, then you look at him now, though, his size, his speed, just all of that. And, and he's definitely lived up to the billing and surpassed that in many ways. I was trying to think of biggest dis- or biggest surprise. Um, you know, uh, I guess Xavier Howard would be one of them technically, just the fact that he went as high as he did. Um, but there's not really, I don't think, a surprise to somebody who's just stood out. Um, that I would be you able to answer along the lines of a Corey Coleman. Seventh-round pick Kyle Fuller, an offensive lineman, has hung yeah, around the work. NFL quite a bit. Uh, he's won. But, you know, even most recently, Jalen Hurd could not stay healthy. San Francisco, out of the league. Denzel Mims has been bounced around. James Lynch, Minnesota. Bravion Royce played quite a bit, but I think he was released by Carolina. Was he not right before the start of the season? Yeah, he's already bounced around a couple so, times. Yeah, they're, 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 Tyquan Thornton, we'll see what happens with him as far as his health. I have not seen much at all about Siaka Ika, who was drafted by Cleveland in the third round. But yeah, that, I hope that answered your question, Chris. We appreciate the super chat here on 365 Sports. Uh, Terrence Williams was a damn good player for the Cowboys for several seasons, but I can't think of another one that did well as far as that wide receiver. And, and Tyquan Thornton, the one that's in now, but as Craig mentioned, he is another one that just cannot seem to stay healthy. One of the knocks was because the offense they ran at Baylor, and it wasn't transitional into the NFL. You heard about that, the playbook but that's also and all been that. seven years But that now. was seven, yeah. eight, ten, twelve years ago. Yeah, yep. All right. All right, I got a question for you. Right around the corner, Baylor uh, and Tech play Saturday night. There, there was an article in Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. Saturday's game is about between what Baylor is now and what it could have been, for better or worse. And the article basically says that based on this weekend, the game between Texas Tech and Baylor may be the decision where Baylor fans may think, well, maybe we made the wrong decision when it came to, comes to Dave Aranda. I, I don't get this article. It talks about Tech has out-recruited Baylor and then again talks about, yes, Corey Campbell has put up millions and millions of former player in the NIL. Joey would not have had that at Baylor. 
And so Baylor's recruiting in NIL. Yeah, they've been playing catch-up. We've discussed that many times. Baylor beat them 45-17 last year in Lubbock and humiliated them, really. And so I don't know if one game changes the wheel or the pendulum of who has made the right decision. Why can't both of them do it? Yeah, well, they won the Big 12 with David David Randa. Randa. I mean, so, like, they had the best season in school history, so it was the right decision at the time for sure. And now, look, have things changed in the interim that – yeah, they've got the Matador Club at Texas Tech, and Baylor has GXG uh, here. That's the Matador Club is ahead of GXG right now. Um, that's that's just how the Matador Club's ahead of most uh, when it comes to NIL and what they're doing. So, yeah, that's an advantage that Joey has. But look, right now they're both two and three. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, Baylor beat them last year at their place, forty-five to seventeen. So. I don't think that this one is the end-all, be-all for either one of these guys who have both had success. I think that that's, that's um, the epitome of hyperbole there. Yeah. yeah, I think that's just trying to find an angle to spice up this game. I don't think it really needs it uh, in terms of you know the coaching decisions. I think both are fine with where they are. I know there's been a lot of heat around Aranda lately, but that at least cooled off this week with the win last week uh, in Orlando. Um, but I would say since Joey left, he left middle of the season two years ago. Uh, they he was on the side, or excuse me, he was not on the sidelines, but he was in the press box or whatever at McLean Stadium as the tech coach to be, um, having left the team and gotten started out there in Lubbock, and Baylor beat them in a close game, and that game launched them into the Big Twelve title game, yep. and so they beat them there, even though it was a, a bit of a struggle and. and Tech came very close to spoiling the party. And then they went and won the Big 12, and they won a Sugar Bowl all without him. And then they turned around, and yeah, last year sucked, but they still beat the heck out of Tech. And so I think it's big for Joey uh, and company. A lot of those staffers, I'm sure they're licking their chops saying, we got to beat these guys. That's where we were, and we want to be better than them. And in some ways, they have surpassed them, I guess, recruiting rankings and NIL money. Um, but on the field, I don't feel like that's been the case at all so far. So I do think it would be a big deal for Tech to get a win here and, and probably feel pretty satisfying. But I don't think it puts them light years above and beyond where Baylor would be. And if Baylor were to win, same thing. I think they'd just be a game ahead of them in the standings, and Tech would still have the advantages that they have. And just maybe it's that Baylor has an actual coaching advantage or or whatever you want to point to. But I think that they're a pretty similar footing, and I don't think that a win by either one this weekend, barring if it's like four. 45 to 10 or something like that, you know, something extreme. I think they're both going to be pretty much in the same and similar spot, and, and I don't feel like there's sort of that that bubbling up like there was last year, which is probably good for both teams because I do think Texas Tech kind of overheated with some of that last year. You know what the only difference I can see from these two teams right now on the surface is that Tech has looked better in their losses than Baylor has in theirs. Yeah. So Tech has had some close losses. Oregon was a close loss. Wyoming was in overtime. You know, West Virginia was a was a closer game, although that one never felt like they were even in it, you know, watching it, even though it was yeah. a close game. Like they've had close losses as where Baylor's losses have been outside of the Utah game, straight up and down embarrassing. Yeah, I do. So, oh, sorry. Yeah, so does that fly. Yeah. Uh, I do think that, you know, a couple weeks ago, they're, well, let's put it this way. Baylor has struggled as much as they did, but there's not been like, well, we should have hired Joey because Tech was also struggling the same way that they were. Now, there was some of that last year until they actually played. And then it was like, okay, well, the head-to-head went a certain type of a way. But there's a crowd that was definitely 
in favor of McGuire being the guy for a lot of the reasons that he's excited Texas Tech fans, the recruiting part of it, the Texas ties, all those types of things. But I don't think results-wise it's, it's turned into where people are like, oh, my gosh, we, we really made a huge mistake. I think it's, it's pretty even in that regard. But, you know, a lot of people wish him well, and there will always be people who think that, you know, maybe that should have been the right hire, but right now there's nothing to say that it was, it was the wrong hire either. Is it fair for me to say that a lot of times when you hear Joey's name creep into the conversation, it's because of the personality and the, everyone acting oh, yeah, like he was the sure. energy and Dave Aranda is, is quite the opposite, but that doesn't mean he's not a hell of a coach or a motivator. In fact, I asked him that on Monday. If you saw any of the behind-the-scenes video of Jeff Grimes at halftime, I'm not sure how many of you saw that. I think it's called Baylor Plus. Um, I'm telling you, he got in the grills. He basically said, why don't we just get on the plane now and go home? Are you ready to do that? And the players responded no. And then they went out and took care of the, the game plan that they had and eventually came back and won the game against UCF. All right, I think Joey's in a really good spot for him. I think it's been proven by the support he has. He just seems to fit out there. Now, he would have fit here, too. Um, he's going to do really well there. I, I still believe that, and I think they're they're building something, but I still think the same thing with Dave Aranda and Baylor. I know it got really dark the last couple of weeks when you know losses were starting to pile up, but I think he's a heck of a coach. I, I still believe he's a heck of a coach, and I think um, you know there's some deficiencies, but I'm not a believer that you know they're not – capable of being a better program than Tech moving forward. And, and I, you know, feel like if Tech's a better program moving forward, that wouldn't be a surprise either. But, yeah, there's not much separation right now. Maybe there's a little created this weekend. Speaking of Joey McGuire, he's next on 365 Sports. Baylor in Texas Tech Saturday night, 7 o'clock at McLean Stadium. Update on the Rangers, 5 to nothing right now. Top of the sixth, they lead Tampa Bay. That game, of course, game two of a best of three. Rangers winning yesterday can close it out if – they can close out this game, and Josh Young is on second base, Simeon at the plate. This is 365 Sports. Waco Custom Marketplace, here are the specials for this week, including boneless pork chops at $1.99 a pound. They also have chicken tenders at two twenty-five a pound. I've seen the bag. It's like you would see a bag of just a couple of three dozen chicken tenders that you can deep fry, put in the oven, however you want to do it, and do a sausage at two ninety-nine a pound. If you're making gumbo or jambalaya, or just put it on the grill, chuck roasted five dollars and ninety-nine cents a pound. Two pounds of cello car- uh, carrots at a dollar ninety-nine a pound, and also Idaho potatoes at fifty-five cents each. At the Idaho Potatoes. I love having a baked potato occasionally if I'm having a steak. Also, they have New York Strip, select choice in prime from $8.99 to $16.99 a pound. Brian Bauer and the family, they are huge Baylor fans. And if you're going to do tailgating Saturday night and you need product, you need charcoal, you need pellet fuel, you need marinade, you need seasonings, they have it at 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco. Some say a dog is a man. to Rudy's for some tasty oak smoke barbecue. Next in line. During Jeep Adventure Day, say big on 2023 Jeep models like the Grand Cherokee Limited with values up to $5,500 or 10% off MSRP on new Jeep Gladiators on all trim levels or 10% off MSRP on a new Jeep Compass at Allen Samuels in Waco. 
Boozers is the wedding ring store and more. If you're ready to get engaged or already married and want to upgrade your wife's ring for a special anniversary, Boozers is the place to go. With the largest selection of premier quality diamond engagement rings and wedding rings in Central Texas. They have seven cases with over 300 styles of rings from top designers like Natalie Kay. Choose from yellow, white, or rose gold, plus beautiful top quality loose diamonds. With an in-house jewelry, they can also custom make anything you want. Bring in a picture or drawing and let Boozers create your one-of-a-kind pendant or ring. They can even use some of your old gold and diamond jewelry to create something new. At Boozers, you'll find a great selection of quality timepieces, and Boozers is the place for expert watch maintenance and repairs, too. They specialize in expert Rolex watch repair for fine jewelry, watches, custom work, and more. Go to Boozers on Valley Mills and Lake Air Drive in Waco. Riverbend Liquor and Wine now has two locations to serve you. The original on Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street and the brand new spot in downtown Waco at 600 Franklin Avenue. If you're looking for the best in craft beers or local Texas bourbons, then the original is the place to be. And for the latest trends and online phenomenons, head downtown to the Franklin location. Either way, you're going to get the same great variety, customer service, and speedy experience. Check out both locations on their Facebook and Instagram pages. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street, and now now downtown on Franklin Avenue. Stepping into a new pair of boots is great, but stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can also add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. There are more than 150 occupational specialties to help them find the best fit for their future. See all the things your son or daughter can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. Let Camille Johnson Realtors guide you seamlessly through the process of buying your dream home or selling your current one. Commercial, farm and ranch, or residential, Camille Johnson Realtors can smoothly and successfully lead you through any transaction. With a team of 28 experienced agents who are excited about serving you, Camille Johnson Realtors services the entire greater Waco area. If you're in the market to buy or sell, contact Camille Johnson Realtors, 104 Midway Center in Woodway, or find them online at www.camillejohnson.com. Camille Johnson Realtors, elegant, charming, warm. Welcome home. is 365 Sports. The 3 o'clock hour is sponsored by Waco Custom Marketplace. Meats, sweets, Texas treats, and a cut above the rest. 425 Lake Air Drive, Waco. Texas Tech football coach Joey McGuire with me, David Smoke on 365 Sports. You have three losses. It's by a combined of what I think is like 15 points or so, 17 points. Um, And and, you know, you're, you're hit and miss in some ways. But I was looking at your offensive stats, and everything seems to be on the uptick against last year as far as analytics. Let's start with that. What do you think is missing right now? Um, you know, I think uh, offensively, uh, you know, the, the turnovers really got us early. Uh, you go to the Wyoming game, um, you know, we we gave up. We were driving the ball and had a big turnover. The Oregon game, I mean, we were up nine, uh, just blocked a punt, fixed to go up. You know, whether it be you know twelve or or sixteen, and and uh, we throw it right back to to uh, Oregon, and and so 
you know, it just really, if you look at last year's passing game, this year's passing game, and we just, we have been off, um, you know, and, and really off whenever you go to the West Virginia game. Uh, the one thing that is going right is uh, Taj Brooks and that offensive line. We've been able to run the football and, and really lean on him and had two 100-yard rushers last last week, and we really need that to carry over. Joey, is this week against Baylor awkward, or did last year playing the game, and they won, and they won at the end uh, pretty decisively. Yeah. Is, does that – does that help that last year's game was played? I know you don't like the result. Is this still kind of awkward? Um, you know, it's it's emotional. Uh, I mean, I shoot, man, I, I loved my time at Baylor. I love the people at Baylor. I I'm not where I'm at without you know Baylor University. And so, uh, first time back in McLean, um, only been on that sideline whenever it was during the spring games because the defense was always over there with uh, Rule and Aranda. Um, so it's, I, I think we're still a year away from uh, – but I think it always will be, man. I, I mean, I have special memories. I have great friends on that staff. Um, I, I don't know if there was – I know there's a lot of people happy about that win last week, but, man, I was ecstatic uh, that, that Baylor came back and beat UCF because – um, I mean, I'm great friends with some of those guys, and we're both 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 teams are kind of going through it. You know, both mm-hmm. teams have been banged up. Both teams are have lost games. You know that. Uh, you know, as a if you look from the outside in, we shouldn't have lost. Um, and so I, I feel I totally feel and understand what those guys are going through, and they're just some real good friends of mine. And so. It's the, going back for the very first time uh, to Waco. You know, it's going to be uh, it's going to be it's going to be great. I have so many great memories in that stadium. Uh, but it's going to be emotional, and and then you're still you're still for the most part. I mean, you've got uh, you know that that class of eighteen that's still there. The TJ Franklins, the Gabe Halls, the Matt Joneses, the you know guys like that that are. You know, I, I was around those guys a lot. You know, they were over at the house. They played with Garrett. And so still seeing a lot of familiar faces on the field make it play. So still a little bit uh, a ways away from, from that, too. It, sometimes rivalries are based on regionality, conference, or just long-time series, dramatic games, upsets, etc. Are you both, you would think, Tech and also Baylor, also in not a turf war, That's a, that sounds negative, but kind of in a, a fight for the same type of players? Yeah, you know, uh, whenever you're looking at, at really the new Big 12, you know, and, and everybody as a whole is trying to establish yourself, you know, as the upper echelon of the teams. And, and then, you know, you're you're recruiting the state of Texas, you know, and, and uh, with my background of Dallas-Fort Worth and the proximity of Dallas-Fort Worth to uh, Waco, you're recruiting a lot of the same guys. You know, we've gone heavier into Houston the last two years. And again, Baylor being in central Texas, I mean, it's, uh, it's easy to get to, you know, from Houston. So you're going, when you're recruiting the state of Texas as heavy as we both do, you're going uh, for a lot of the same guys, you know, in, in the recruiting wars. Do you feel like, and there was so much momentum coming out of last year and Chuck back, and I know he went down, unfortunately, with the injury, and I know you had some answers, questions about the quarterback play or whatever. The, there was um, a lot of momentum, and there were expectations that you wanted and, and the program wanted to be a part of those. Do you feel like the honeymoon period is over? 
Uh, man, I, I don't know. I never even think of the, the honeymoon <laughs> period. You either win or lose. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, like uh, it's one of those deals. You either win games, you lose games. You know, the thing that I've really – I've actually addressed it, uh, you know, going into the Houston game. I asked my team, I said, you know, did, did I approach this wrong? Do you all feel like I put too much pressure on you? You know, I've never been one of those guys. I mean, people – it's funny, you know, I hear different things from different fan bases about about myself, and, and uh, I'm always positive, I'm optimistic, I'm not going to change. And so what I asked the team was, is like, did I talk too much about who I think we are? And, you know, the good thing to an extent, I have a very mature group of leaders, and um, again, they were like, Coach, we don't feel that, we're just not playing well enough in critical situations to win games, you know, uh, no matter who we're playing. I mean, we've had three uh, one-score losses and had the opportunity to, you know, win each one of those games, and we're just not playing, you know, good enough football. And, we're, you know, quite frankly, we're going through the same stuff that, that Baylor's going through. I mean, I've, I've been doing this for 29 years, and I don't know if I've had a year like this with the injury bug that we're having um, you know, and, and it's not really the guys that you lose for the season, but, you know, this guy gets banged up. I tell everybody, man, when you lose your best defensive player and Jacob Rodriguez after causing a turnover, recovering a turnover and kind of taking a cheap shot uh, from the running back, you know, and you lose him, hopefully we get him back for K-State or BYU. I mean, it changes a lot of stuff. Now all of a sudden you're playing a redshirt freshman at, at linebacker and, you know, and how many snaps that guy's taken – that guy's got to step up. I mean, mm-hmm. you're still going to kick the ball off, whether you got injuries or not. The, the game is going to be played at seven o'clock, you know, and and um, and so it's one of those deals. Um, just trying to you know battle through the expectations that we haven't lived lived up to yet, and then also just that next man up mentality, and and uh, and so it, it's uh, it's yet yeah, last week was a big week, I think, for both teams to kind of be able to take a deep breath and win a football game. Joey, you mentioned Rodriguez, that injury that's unfortunate. And then, of course, you have a guy that's in the NFL who's a first-round pick in Tyree Wilson. Has that been difficult to, like, overcome how disruptive he was? You know, I think um, it's a mixture. I think the the two things, one, you you never want to lose or losing a guy like that, man, it's always going to affect you. Um we have not done a very good job. We were much, we were better in the second half, uh, much better in the second half uh, against Houston. But we have not done a very good job of staying in our rush lanes. We're allowing quarterbacks to step up, and and we're really like you know a lot of times sacks happen. You have a good rush, but your partner next to you, he might not get home, but he you know made the quarterback move with his rush, and it moves right into you. And you know we've been. If you go back, you know, really the uh, uh, the first two games that we played, I mean, we gave up probably 70-plus yards of quarterback scrambles, and one guy's getting home, but another guy's getting out of his rush lane. And it's just the discipline of that um, where Tyree probably can overcome some of that just because he's so special. Uh, you know, we, we've got to be more in sync you know, in our rush lanes. And, and it really showed up in the second half. We put a lot more pressure and, and really we're, we're able to affect the quarterback, not necessarily with a sack, but we got him off his mark and put a lot of pressure on him. 
You, I know you can't talk about commitments in, until they sign in December or February, but you have something coming in. You're at the quarterback position. I remember Barron had to play last year. You had to play all of them. Donovan, who you just saw from Houston and obviously was Shuck. Do you feel good about where you are, especially since when people think about Patrick Mahomes and where he played college, even though sometimes the win-loss record was sporadic, uh, he is like the guy in the NFL. Uh, do you feel like quarterbacks want to come to Tech to be a part of that history and tradition? Yeah, I do. I think it's a mixture. I think, one, uh, the tradition and and, um, and and how hot Pat is right now. And, man, he's he is a diehard Red Raider. You look at that quarterback series and, you know, nine out of ten shots of him, he's wearing Texas Tech gear. I mean, he's all in. You know, uh, all, he's been amazing, you know, really to, to – uh, be, get to know him more, and and then the other part is you know uh, Kitley's offense with the, there's so much on the quarterback, um, and and I think quarterbacks want to play in that system where they have a lot of control, you know, and and what we do um, whenever it comes to the play calling and what they can get in and out of, and and so I do I think that you know quarterbacks want to play in this system, and uh, you know we've got a really good one in, in Baron Morton and. You know, to be his second start this year, and I think he's going to keep getting more and more comfortable, you know, in that spot. How much does last year's game in Lubbock, when Baylor won, have any impact whatsoever, if at all, Saturday night? Well, I think um, it, it, you go back to that game. Um, you know, we, we, we did a good job early, but late, you know, they really were able to run the football. And so I think we've got to do a good job of uh, – I don't know. It's hard to stop Baylor's rushing attack, but, you know, do a good job of, uh, you know, containing the run. And then they did a good job on defense, um, you know, a really good job. I thought it was probably the best game plan that we played last year uh, when we played Baylor. And, and so, and I think we grew off of it. Um, yeah, I think it definitely helped us uh, whenever we played Oregon, um, you know, to be more effective on offense. And, and so I think now we've got to do a good job of, uh, you know, we didn't play very well on offense last year. We, we didn't keep the defense off the field enough. We didn't keep us in the game, you know, enough. And so I think it's important that we go out and try to take advantage. We've been running the football really effective, so we mm-hmm. want to continue running the football, um, you know, but we've got to take advantage of uh, being able to flow the football too. And that was something that they did a great job of taking away from us last year. You were on the team. And, and again, Joey McGuire, Texas Tech. And Joey, just a couple more questions. Saturday night, 7 o'clock, McLean Stadium, Baylor and Tech get together. You were there when Baylor recruited Blake Shapin. He, of course, had the dramatic conference championship game performance in 2021. Last year, the offense was sporadic, and that showed in their record. Hurt earlier this year, maybe even more so of a – heart and soul, maybe leadership more than anything else based on what Dave Aranda has said. What do you see in Blake Shapin? And what did you know about him when he arrived at Baylor? Well, Garrett was his host, you know, and, <laughs> and Garrett will tell you that he never lost the guy that, that he hosted. Um, uh, and so I, I know Blake really well. And, and, man, I'm a huge fan. And you said it perfectly, and, and I'm sure coaches said it. Uh, he is the heart and soul. Like, uh not to take away uh, from anybody, and it's you know you could probably say the same with us of different guys, but you know they they don't win that game last week without Blake Shapin. Mm-hmm. Blake Shapin, it was a it was a will to win the game, uh, 
it was really two whenever you really show up is Matt Jones on defense and Blake Chapin on offense. Those two guys were like, we're going to win this game. And you could see by the way he played, um, you know, that, I mean, I said it earlier to my staff, I felt like they would have beat Utah if Blake plays in that game, a healthy Blake Chapin plays in that game. He just brings a different element of throwing the football. He's so accurate. We saw him go 17 for 17 in the Big 12 Championship in 2021, um, you know, to start the game. I mean, he's extremely accurate and has a good feel for that offense. And so, man, I'll tell you, Blake – and he, he's a he's a dude now. He's a, he he plays the game. I mean, just the last play of the game for him, you know. Oh I mean, yeah, here's the a guy scram- yeah. coming back from hurt, and he scrambles to put him, you know, center the ball, and nearly get the first down. And um, you know, he, that's the way he plays. He plays, you know, with he really doesn't care. You know, he, he wants to go win. The winning part is more important when you have a guy, a trigger guy like that and you got a chance to be really good on offense. Last question. Uh, the game in Dallas this week is Texas and Oklahoma. They both seem to be rolling pretty well. This is the last year for them. And so people are waiting on who's going to step up and be the team or programs that lead the way in the Big 12. How important – I know the Oregon loss and Baylor lost to Utah. They got thumped by Texas. How important is it for the Big 12 of the schools coming back and the incoming schools from the Pac-12 start to pick up some nice wins yeah i think it's really important you know um number one you're bringing in a really good utah team you know that is and and has traditionally played extremely well and especially of late playing in the rose bowl and and doing so many great things um but you know i I think it's important right now i would probably say the leaders right now if you're talking about just coming off of last year going into this year even though they lost a tough game is you know, TCU and K-State. I mean, those are the two teams that played in the Big 12 Championship. They, you know, they played in New Year's Six uh, bowl games and in the, you know, the playoffs. And so I think those are the two teams that, if you're saying who's leading the new Big 12 right now, but got an opportunity. There's a lot of season left and, you know, uh, there's going to be, there's going to be some teams step up and, and, uh, and uh, go into the last part of this Big 12 season you know putting ourselves in good position joey thank you man always appreciate you and uh good luck uh this week and also good luck the rest of the way always appreciate the fact you give me the access you do and we appreciate your time you bet man thank you joey mcguire hit football coach at texas tech on 365 sports Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street, and now downtown on Franklin Avenue in Waco. Two great locations to serve you. The new location uh, maybe focuses more on what's hip, what's going on in social media. What are the hip new cocktails? The original location is a little more old school. They've got the classic craft bourbons that are made right here in texas they've got great craft beer selection and look it's fall now it's october that means your oktoberfest beers those things are in uh the roster now uh for uh, chapman's for the chapman's at riverbend liquor and wine it is fantastic their customer service at both locations is great the original still has the drive-through window that moves so fast it will make your head spin riverbend liquor nut wine now with two locations to serve you 
call can make all the difference on and off the field. I'm Mark Stewart with Bird Colgen Ford. When it's time for a new car, truck, or SUV, Bird Colgen Ford is the right call. Come check out our award-winning lineup of best-selling models in their class, like the Mustang, Explore, Expedition, F-150, and Super Duty. Make the right call for your next vehicle at Bird Colgen Ford. Bird Colgen Ford proudly supports Baylor Athletics. Sikkim Bears. At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be part of the Waco community. We're a small family business here in Central Texas. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. And that's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through this difficult time. So if you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. You can schedule online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or call 833-IDEAL-MRI. John's Humidor, your home with a 48-foot walk-in humidor with the elite cigar brands from around the world, including the number one cigar of the year, Aging Room, Quattro Nicaragua. Plus, they have the great brands like Macanudo and Artur Fuente, Rocky Patel, Aston, and so much more. CBD, great for sore muscles, aches and pains, sleep, Vita Dreams and anxiety, mild depression, general health and wellness. Their staff, very knowledgeable on the subject. If anyone is curious about CBD, ask Carol and Ashley. Don Schumanor in the Townwood Shopping Center off Valley Mills in Waco. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and baker. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon-wrapped fillets to T-bone to bone-in ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef and chicken fajitas and always large briskets available plus fresh vegetables so the great product customer service and family tradition of the bauer family continues at waco custom marketplace open monday through saturday a full service butcher shop and bakery available waco custom marketplace 425 lake air drive in waco or waco custom marketplace.com This is 365 Sports. Text us at 254-339-1122. The text line is sponsored by Riverbend Liquor and Wine with the most extensive variety of craft beer in Waco. A hidden gem on Lakeshore Drive and 19th Street. By the way, in the 4 o'clock hour, Ricky Thompson will join us. Tim Brando will join us. And then at an hour from now, it's Baylor's Director of Athletics, Mac Rhodes. I just put the link up in the chat room, and you can click on it. You can go up until right before any of these games kick off, and you have a chance to pick whatever it is. I think it's 8, 12, 13 games or so. It changes. 
the winner, Scotty B, won it this past weekend. A $100 gift card from TexasBeefHouse.com. They will then be in touch with you. Thanks to Christian McCollum for setting up the picks. The standings through the last weekend. Paxton has the most at twenty uh, 32. He's won 32 games. Oh, this contest is bogus. No, I'm, just I'm thinking he might just have kidding, the username and password. But Paxton, he won it one week, 32. S. Moser, 18 with 31, along with D. Loverud, uh, Mr. Dops, and also Hugh Cat. He won it one week at 30. Sir Blah Blah Blah, and uh, M. Bar, 1963, among Kiva Bird, 94 at 29 wins. So good luck to everybody and the $100 gift card each week. All right? When we come back, Ricky Thompson, former Baylor wide receiver, his thoughts about Tech, his thoughts about Baylor, his thoughts about Texas OU and more, and this is 365 Sports. Ideal MRI in the Central Texas Marketplace. Dr. Rob Maxey, his partners, put together a business a few years ago. I've been talking about them for a decade, and they can find two things that you need. One, uh, one alleviate your budget. An MRI can be expensive, can be very, very expensive, even if your insurance helps you a little bit. And the average is $1,100. Ideal MRI is going to charge you $497 every single time. It won't change, although it could get less because they will help you file the insurance on top of that. So it would be 497 minus whatever perhaps the insurance takes out of it. And then the most important part, well, the money is a huge deal. What's wrong with you? What is hurting you? What's going on in your lower back or maybe in your uh, hip or maybe it's in your elbow or perhaps even your shoulders or your leg? They're going to find the evidence. Their MRI machine, state-of-the-art technology. I've been in it. The specialists in techs are amazing. They're fantastic at what they do. 497, find out what is hurting you so your doctor can make a decision, a diagnosis, and move on with how to make it better at IdealMRI.com in the Central Texas Marketplace in Waco. In our logo and advertising, we say we are people that you can count on. What does that mean? It starts with providing a quality vehicle and quality service at a fair price. But it also means we do what we say we will do and we treat people fairly with respect. It starts by hiring great people, good local folks who work hard with a caring attitude. Our employees are the real reason we are people that you can count on. Put us to the test and see for yourself that at Richard Car Motors we are people you can count on. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby is a homegrown, locally owned pizza place that's out of this world. Everything from the dough, the sauce, the sausage topping is made fresh in-house. Not to mention the amazing pizza pillows, the chicken wings are to die for. Try the sick of sauce, chili cheese fries or tots, plus great specials on food and drink every single day. Shorty's is also the perfect spot to watch the game with your friends. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby. Tell them Paul sent you by. Want to know why Stonewood Dental is so successful? Listen to what happy customers have to say. It's pleasant. It's different than any other dentist's office. I really feel like they care. And it's not that you're here for two hours waiting on someone to take care of you. It's quick and easy, and, you know, I bring my kids, and my kids love being here, too. They really love the treasure box. <laughs> 
staff is really nice and accommodating, real friendly. You feel more like home. It's not sterile looking. Everybody has their own personalized rooms with decorations and decor, and they'll even have a blanket for you when it's cold. <laughs> I've recommended people to actually come here, and they are patients now. I really love it here. It feels like family. Learn more, stonewood-dental.com. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texas are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge checking and savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Three Nations Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers, too. Nachos and and so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrift off I-35 in Carrollton. This segment with former Baylor wide receiver and Baylor sideline analyst Ricky Thompson is sponsored by Alliance Bank Central Texas, where customers have confidence that their financial needs are in good hands with two locations in Waco, on Bosque Boulevard and on Archway Drive off Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. J.J. Joe on Mondays, Ricky Thompson on Wednesdays, both a part of Baylor Radio. Ricky joins us. Craig Smoke, Paul Catalina, David Smoke on 365 Sports. And I got to tell you, I, I was going to, like, send you a text after it was 35 to 7. Do you want to keep doing this segment? I'm not joking. I, it, it, was, it was ugly, as you know, and, and halfway joking. Did we see, no matter although the warts remain, a team that has the ability to fight for themselves and their coach? Well, simple answer to that is yes, because I can tell you at the point when you would have called me at 35 to 7, <laughs> I was ready to go to the airplane. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it was ugly. Uh, but, I mean, w- we saw something that is, well, what was it, 830-something consecutive NCAA games with that type lead that there has been no comeback. That really tells you all you need to know. It, it was amazing. Of course, a lot of things had to happen to go our way. It kind of takes me back to Michigan State Baylor in that Cotton Bowl game where six or seven different things had to happen for the Bears to lose that game. Well, about 15 had to happen for the Bears to win this one, and all of them did. And a lot of that was just summed up by gutsy play and players that didn't quit and made a couple of plays. And how much have we talked about it before, how much confidence you get off of one good play mm-hmm. and then another good play and then one more. And I think that's what you saw. And the other thing is, in the fourth quarter, the playmakers were in the game. I mean, I know our substitution cycles, and I know we get into that rut sometimes, but you know, when, when it's on the line, get the guys in the game that can make plays. I think that's what we did. And hats off to Blake Shapin, too, for playing when he's still not 100%. Uh, just – a true difference maker there. 
Ricky, uh, I've talked about this a couple times this week, and you were down in the field, but you know the the fans left kind of like intermittently throughout the game in the fourth quarter. Baylor was going down in the end zone where there were no fans left. How much of an advantage do you think that was for them to like? You know, especially when UCF did make good plays, that they weren't going into the teeth of the noise anymore? That's a good question. I don't really know the answer to that. I think sometimes when you're on the road like that, it's really easier to play to me just because there's a different type pressure, and I think you understand that. But it was really surprising. I know it was hot, but uh, at 35-7, to 35-10, to it's kind of unusual to see the home fans uh, storming out of the stadium and leaving, but it was probably what sixty percent of what was there when the game started. Mm-hmm. Toward the end of the game, that's a pretty big drop. And and you're right, the end that the Bears were going into, I guess, was too probably the end where the sun was at its peak during that football game, and they were gone. So it sure didn't hurt us. I'll tell you that much. Ricky, there was a stat the other day about how the four new Big 12 schools are like 1-7, I think, through their, their conference play so far. And that one win, I think, was against one another, uh, BYU over Cincinnati. Um, there's that adjustment period, you know, just like TCU had, just like West Virginia had. But I remember one of the players saying that they could just kind of feel as the, the game got late that they were kind of, you know, uh, I guess, huffing and puffing or, or just didn't want to be there. And they could sense that and capitalize on that. Uh, did you get the sense that UCF got worn down and, and that's going to be part of their process of adjusting to the new Big 12? Absolutely. I, I think they did. And you would think on their turf uh, in a climate they were used to, and guys, it was humid. It, it wasn't just over-the-top hot, but it mm-hmm. was really humid and suffocating down there. And I thought we handled that part of the game really well. And we had to. If you go 26 nothing in the fourth quarter uh, you're not worn out and I think we showed that uh, we made plays on both sides the defense finally who I thought looked really really bad in the first quarter particularly uh, came up with some really critical stops and made some plays offensively you've got a 170 pound receiver Monterey Bowen breaking two tackles on a run down to what the 20 or so that set up the last field goal Uh, You've got a freshman returning uh, a fumble 70 yards plus an interception from him. I just think we're kind of seeing who the playmakers are. And and don't misjudge the fact, too, that the pace picked up Mm -hmm. a ton in the second half. Now, part of that was because we're behind, but I think what you're going to see from this point is more of that because that's when Blake's at his best, I think. That's when this offense is at its best. And I Quit running the play clock down. Get the plays in and let's go. So how much does one win carry over to another? In some sports it doesn't. In some sports it does. I think in football it does, particularly with the week between games. Uh, most other sports, baseball, basketball, you, if you lose on Monday, you're playing again on Saturday. So lose on Wednesday, you play again on Saturday. Sometimes it's Saturday to Monday. But with football, it's always week to week. And I think it's huge. I think it's a huge momentum boost, particularly to win on the road like that. Uh, You're coming back home with a conference game against Tech that you win. You're three and three. I mean, guys, I think we all said two weeks ago, if somehow you go from one and three to three and three, it's a whole new football season. And I think that is very, very true. Plus, you've got a week off after that. Mm -hmm. So 
I think this game is very, very big. And if that doesn't build some confidence in what they did last week, I would be shocked. You mentioned the playmakers, Richard Reese, Monterey Baldwin. You mentioned shape and what he meant. How about with uh, Caden Jenkins, not just scooping and scoring, because a lot of times the, the initial thought is, oh, my God, the ball's on the ground, lay on it, and then you'd have to go 65 yards or so. The, the, the ability, the instincts to pick it up and go. Absolutely. And, and, and Smokey, that's not the first game this dude's played really good football against Texas. I know we were terrible, but two different instances. First play, you got Xavier Worthy, Worthy on the quick screen. And he just takes him out for a couple-yard loss. And then really his best play to me was one-on-one in the secondary with Baxter, the Texas running back, put his helmet right in his chest and took him down. This kid is talented, and I think he's going to be really, really good. Uh, He already is. But uh, that's huge for a freshman to play like that. And I would not be scared to have him in the game at any particular point. I mean, he's a playmaker. And uh, he's got a long career ahead of him. And I think, you know, let's think about back about Jalen Petrie. I mean, this kid's probably better as a freshman than Jalen was, and you know where Jalen ended up. And I think this kid got the chance to be one of the better guys in the secondary we've had in a long time. Ricky, I know you're busy down there on the sidelines, but uh, in the midst of all that, you know, one of the things Dave Aranda talked about with Monterey Baldwin, who you, you kind of touched on earlier, was that, even during the blowout loss to Texas, that he was still being really encouraging on the sidelines. And Monterey said, like, I get to see guys, you know, believe in a little bit more, even though we were getting whooped. And then he said, I, you know, I carried that over this week. And he could just sense that it was helping guys. And uh, could you sense any of that from either Monterey or just in general, but particularly with Baldwin, that he was kind of taking up that mantle and growing into being a bit more of a leader these last couple of weeks? You know what, Craig, that's a good point. And I, I think part of that goes to the fact that he's been in the football game. I remember – Early in the season, we're all thinking, well, where is Monterey? Where is Monterey? And I know there's a lot of factors that go into getting a guy on the field, but that kid came through that period that had to be really tough on him, and he's making plays, and you can just see that he and Shapin have that connection. But you also could tell he wanted to play. I mean, sometimes you can get that feeling, yeah, I don't know if this guy wants to be out there or not. Well, he wanted to be out there, and he was making play after play, And if he's not a huge part of this offense going forward, I would be shocked. And the fact that that kid has weathered the storm of not playing and now is actually providing some leadership, which I don't know about y'all. I think that's been severely lacking in these first few games. Mm -hmm. I just think that's huge. Yeah, Ricky. They, I mean, look, they go into a game this week. Uh, you know, it's a two and three team against two and three team. Both of these teams are, are, are playing for, I mean, uh, save the season would be kind of drastic, maybe, but at least save your chance to have a reasonably good season because two and four really puts you behind it and you kind of know who you're going to be for the rest of the way on the way out after that one. Yeah, Paul, I, I almost look at it the other way and say, whoever wins this game, I think it could make their season. I know it's going to make the, the bowl chore a lot easier uh, getting that third win at this point halfway through the season, which means you just have to go three and three on the back half. Obviously, you want to do better than that. But this is a rivalry-type game. It's at home. I know we haven't played it well at home. But uh, I think – I just think if somehow we go out there and find a way to win this game, and I like our chances with Blake – uh, I think it could be a season maker as far as the end result. Now, obviously, 
going to be tough to win this league, although you are two and one. But uh, throw that out. Play it one game at a time. You win this one, I think you go into Cincinnati with a week off with a ton of confidence that you can win that game too. Lose this game, different story. It makes it a long two weeks. Hey, uh, this is still, it, it seems like somewhat awkward, this series between Baylor and Texas Tech with so many changes, so many crossovers in the coaching staff with Joey McGuire or not? Yeah, it, it, it is a little funny, a little awkward uh, to me. There's you got coaches both ways. I mean, he took several guys with him when he went to Tech. He got several guys left here that coached with those guys. So I think I think that is awkward. And uh, I know he's going to want to win this game in a big way, uh, particularly last year didn't go so well with the Mahomes induction into the Hall of Fame, and we thrashed them pretty good up there. So they'll have their stingers out. But you know what? I think that's when players – welcome that challenge and go out and play and and win the football game i just think that uh that effect of of mcguire coming back into waco i think our guys want to beat him so uh just like he wants to beat us i just i just think that i think this is going to be a really interesting football game I, I i the one thing i would mention is this offense that tech runs and i know they've struggled but it's the kind of offense that has really given our defense problems so I think that's where my questions lie how will we line up how will we play defense what will we do against the spread offense that Tech runs Ricky thank you very much see you Saturday Ricky Thompson former Baylor wide receiver and also Baylor sideline reporter with us Baylor radio on 365 sports yeah I mean I think the crossover thing I think by next year if everything sort of stays status quo that hopefully is not even a topic really anymore I mean it's always going to be Anytime these two meet, as long as Joey's the head coach and Dave Aranda's the head coach because of the initial crossover. But, um, yeah, I think that that was something that had a little more sizzle to it a year ago uh, when it was fresh. And now they've both kind of gone their their separate ways. And, you know, again, it'll it'll reignite whenever they play. But I just – I don't know. I don't feel like there's bad blood. I just think that there is – maybe there was more of that last year. Mm-hmm. But now it feels like it's just like they – I think both sides realize that these are the types of opportunities that give you the leg up on the other and that those are f- far and fleeting, you know, or yep. few in between. And so this is big game for, yeah, Baylor to, to move to three and three. Same thing for Texas Tech to beat, you know, a rival and to kind of have that leg up, so to speak. And, yeah, I mean, you look down the stretch and being three and three as opposed to two and four is definitely going to make your, your bowl opportunities a, a bit better uh, for either team. So this is a, a game with maybe not as much – some kind of personal feel to it as there was a year ago in the comparisons, uh, but certainly the the things out there to play for and the opportunity it can give you uh, post this game are huge for both sides. So I think e- uh, both teams are going to be rip roaring and ready to go. Yeah, and I think a second game in a row with shaping at quarterback is going to be a really good thing for Baylor. That like they're it's completely different with him there. It's completely different, and so getting in that rhythm will be good. Uh, so, yeah, I think he – and he was clearly locked in uh, in that fourth quarter uh, and, and they needed – so I – you know, all the all that going in, but, you know, the, the, the comeback last week means nothing, honestly, if you don't win right. this game. It really does. I mean, it, it's great. It's a new, great little moment in time, but you don't want to be that, oh, hey, remember that time we came back and beat UCF and then didn't win most of the rest of them and finished four and eight? Yep. That, like, that's not – 
going to be all that memorable. Well, it's like the wind does not erase the warts. We've said that. Ask Dave Aranda about it. And I was on with Big 12 Radio earlier today, and I was like, they just don't start well. They they don't. They had that opening drive, remember, against Texas State, false start. They don't start well. And uh, last week, Texas Tech at one point was down, I think, 21-7. to Then they just calmed the waters, made some big plays, eventually just dominated in the second half. A couple of stories here. Tim Brando around the corner. The University of Utah, the Crimson Collective, is leasing each scholarship football player a new Dodge Ram truck. It's a $6 million value. Leases are for six months and are voided if player transfers or eligibility expires. That's a pretty awesome deal. Do they all look like that? Because if they do, you're going to have to get vanity plates because otherwise you'll be walking around the parking lot just confused. Yeah. Okay, I, I would still not turn it down. No, I wouldn't turn it down. I just <laughs> would I say, like, please. It's the same vehicle. It's like, which one is my car? Yeah, yeah. I guess you just honk your keys or But whatever. if it, there's two of you out there at the same time doing the same thing, then you're, you know, yeah. we're back at square one. Well, I mean, that's a cool deal for Utah student athletes, or for football players, I should say. Uh, free car. I mean, I know a lot of players, they probably don't have that great of a car to begin with or don't have one at all uh, in some cases. So they have, have a brand-new truck is going to be – something pretty special for i think a majority of that roster and um yeah that's cool i mean the more things you can do like that to offset you know other uh teams and how they operate with nil you know like there's ways to do it like do you just give them 25k automatically you give 50k or do you give trucks like how do you kind of do you do a little bit of all that i think everybody's still working their way through but that's obviously yeah a huge deal for utah to to be able to have that at their disposal now yeah they they rolled a bunch of trucks into the stadium at utah and uh, the NIL supporting Utah mentioned that each of the 85 scholarship players, each truck retail price is $61,000. Now, again, it's while they're eligible. And also, if they transfer, that also eliminates the lease for the truck from uh, the, the Crimson Collective. And that is very unique. Also, this news, which has been a tough, it's been a tough year for LSU, but then you put things in perspective. Uh, The Brooks family, LSU Athletics, Our Lady of the Lake Health, announcing today that Greg Brooks Jr. has been diagnosed with a rare form of brain cancer. Uh, And and that is, there's a victory fund in his name to help offset some of the costs. So our thoughts and prayers to Greg Brooks of LSU and the battle he has in front of him and also what he's been battling along the way. This is 365 Sports. Tim Brando, Fox Sports, is just around the corner. Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep, Ram, Fiat, their lot is full. Ram trucks, 1,500 Ram trucks, different types of brands uh, or as far as models. And you, of course, know the Ram truck and what it means and the reputation that it has. Also, on top of that, they uh, will have incentives coming out very soon for the month of October when it comes to Jeep. Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep, Ram, Fiat. And the incentives and the discounts will be available. There will be percentages off MSRP. There will also be really nice percentages when it comes to APR financing for a certain amount of months. And on top of that, bonus money too. So all that's about to be launched for the month of October as they just finished up another Ram Power Days and Jeep Adventure Days. Ted Teague, the general manager, very involved in the community. They're one of the sponsors of our Academic All-Stars program, and they have been from day one. Very heavily involved in other charitable and other foundational events. But on the lot, 
They have what you need when it comes to cars, trucks, and SUVs. Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep Ram Fiat, Loop 340, east of 84 in Waco. With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Nitchi Group Insurance Agency. With the Nitchi Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Nitchi Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Nitchi Group at 1-800-258-8302. Baylor alumni are more than 160,000 strong. When we all join hands to support our university, we don't just move the needle, we move mountains. Working together, we create life-changing opportunities for students on the field, in the classroom, in the laboratory, and in life for generations to come. So get connected. Get involved. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni. Did you know that one out of every four men have symptomatic low levels of testosterone and don't even know it? And if you think you're too young to worry about it, guess again. Low T levels can make you feel tired and grumpy, raise your cholesterol, and cause weight gain. Petty Clinic Low T can set up same-day blood screening and results. So if you're tired of being tired, call or go online at PettyClinicLowT.com. It's a private clinic with an atmosphere catering to men. Affordable, only $165 a month, including lab work, office consultation, testosterone injections, and follow-up visits compared to $300 or more a month in Dallas or Austin, and you don't have to drive 90 miles one way or the other and fight the traffic. Petty Clinic Low T has board-certified physician consultations and will provide the best form of brand-strength testosterone. Contact Petty Clinic Low T for increased energy, improvement in sexual desire and performance, mood, concentration, even a decrease in body and belly fat. Just off Highway 84 and Old Hewitt Drive in Woodway, PettyClinicLowT.com. There are 26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. From the first workout to the last practice, sports is an incredible challenge. Hi, this is Dan Engel with the First National Bank of Central Texas, and we're proud to support each athlete, every parent, and our educators. From families, small businesses, to the biggest industry, we're here to help. With remarkable products like instant-issue debit cards free at all of our banking centers, we've got banking ideas that fuel big dreams. The First National Bank of Central Texas, familiar faces making local decisions. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. 365 Sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. Paul, what was your idea about the, the trucks, the pickup trucks? So instead of a vanity plate, they put a wrap on it, and each one has your own picture on it. 
So go. like, because in the picture, the one that we showed, the in the tailgate of the truck, it had Cam Rising's picture on it. You see there right. on the right. Uh, and so I do think that this was just a white truck that they did uh, graphics on. Good looking uh, color for, for the for the for the actual picture here. So they'll all be different. But I think that'd be pretty awesome if you just went and picked it up and you're like, all right, uh, who are you? Oh, I'm I'm Nate Johnson. Okay, Nate Johnson, you're right there. Boom, yep. you go find your picture. Your keys are in it and zoom off. Yeah, that'd be cool. I mean, Utah is just. With that idea, we'll have to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to get the reps. But, you know. And then they no, got to yeah. take them off when the leases are up, no. but it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, no. Well, that's, they could that's use that's the money idea. from no photo shoots on unofficial visits to do that. Well, go. here's the thing. Somebody I saw on the no photo shoots on unofficial visits. Now there's unlimited official visits. Oh, yeah. So. Okay. So unofficial oh, yeah, that's visits been, aren't even a thing. That's already been in the. In the so yeah. now you could just, if you really want to take an official visit and get your picture taken wearing whatever shoulder pads, then you can just make that one of your unlimited official visits. If that's a key part for you, but who knows? I don't know. It uh, Photo shoots and anything would never be a big deal for me. So, Yeah, that's fair. Not everybody loves taking pictures, but, um, yeah, that, that unlimited official visits rule has you know been out there. I, I don't know. I just don't pay as close attention to that kind of stuff as I used I know. to. I, I just – you know, recruiting's fun and everything, and I know it's it's probably pretty easy because there's something every day to just chew on. But I I just can't can't put my head into that that space anymore, like as deep as I used to. And so all of the getting caught up on who's visiting, where, and when, and all of that, I've been I've been kind of out of that. So the unlimited official visits, I can see myself being kind of grouchy about that years ago and be like, what? Did, and now it's like, all right, whatever, just let them let them do whatever. Garrett, there was a time when you were like deep into recruiting and that doesn't mean you're not now right, not right. just for your favorite school in LSU and I hate the news about Greg Brooks but when it comes to all of these changes from the transfer portal to unofficial or now all unlimited official visits to and I all of this which one to you has any of them not turned you off but has made it more difficult uh i mean I don't think anything's necessarily more difficult. I think you just have to go about handling and approaching things differently. I mean, it's more so like timelines that you'd have to adjust to when you go to reporting on it. Um, I I don't necessarily think it's made anything more difficult from a coverage perspective. I think it's just more so from the staff perspective and having to navigate things like that. I, I'm trying to think of what has kept me as engaged in recruiting as it was before uh, you know i'm far more interested in the transfer portal like okay. that that yeah. to me it's it's uh it's as like fortunately for college football i like the whole thing uh recruiting high school recruiting to me is a bit of a slog because you know look they're all 18 year old kids some of them are studs some of them are not uh, you know let's not Let's not start a parade for anybody until they've actually scored a touchdown for your team. You know, like that's the thing that bothers me about it. Uh, but I am far more fascinated in the intrigue of the transfer portal in in fitting those things in. That to me is more interesting. Um, it's kind of like how I like NBA free agency, but I like the playoffs in the NBA. I like NBA free agency, but the regular season. You know, if I'm somewhere in a games, I don't watch it, but I'm not right, searching it out. Let's go back to recruiting. Is there anything that turns you off? Yeah, like I said, high school recruiting okay. is a slog. Uh, yeah, yeah I do think the transfer portal is way more interesting um, because at least there's a you know bit more known and in some cases like super proven and there's actual stars that move from one place to one place like Sam Hartman, for example, or mm-hmm. Quinn Ewers a couple years ago. Now, I know he wasn't a star at Ohio State, but like we knew who he was and we knew that he was a potential star. 
Um, so whatever the, the situation may be, whether a guy like Hartman who had, you know, proven it elsewhere and now, you know, let's go see what we can do at Notre Dame or, a, you know, a young player who's not seeing time like a Ewers and, and decides, you know, after a year, like, no, I think I want to go back to the, to the home state. I just think all of that's, you know, the quarterback carousel that takes place now uh, in, in the transfer portal. Uh, postseason, I think, is is fascinating and way more interesting to see Sam Hartman moving around or a Hudson Card or Quinn Ewers or any number of other guys versus the high school recruit, you know, that's making his decision. I just I find that the portal is is way uh, more entertaining, and you know, I, I just think that you know at some point. It's just I, I've gotten older and I just don't care about top twelves anymore. <laughs> you know, I just don't give a damn about the your your abundance of schools that you're going to be choosing from over the next few months. You know, tune I'll tune in when it's down to like four and and you're making your decision. And that's just me getting older and just I don't have the time to care about uh, you know a yeah. lot of that stuff as much as I used to. So yeah, I mean, good for the recruits to have all those opportunities, but uh, it's just not something I'm as interested in. The portal takes care of a lot of that that interest. We are now joined by Tim Brando, Fox Sports. <clears throat> we appreciate his time. He has been busy as hell with uh, multiple games a couple of different weeks. Tim, thank you for being a part of, uh, of what we do and also what you do and sharing your college football stories. Uh, how much – was there a time when you were earlier on in your career or whatever that you paid much attention to recruiting? No, no. I've, uh, I've never been – now, I keep up with who the top recruits are once they've made their decisions and who's going to play where. I've often uh, bemoaned uh, the non – uh, the non-sports day that is signing day and how much time was, was wasted uh, by um, magazines and networks. And, and I know a lot of guys have made their careers based on it. And, and the ones that are really good at it, I, I applaud them, you know, for doing their jobs and for turning it into something. But no, I've, uh, <laughs> you know, I've got enough trouble making sure I know who's where once they get to college as opposed to, having to worry about what, what school they're, they're going to choose. And, you know, a little bit like when, uh, when ESPN made the choice to uh, cover LeBron James's games in high school, I thought that was a horrible mistake uh, because it, it just, you know, I think it's too soon for any player at any level at high school to be celebrated as, you know, the king of something. It soured me on him. It really did. Now, you know, God knows he's one of the greatest players of all time, but I, I felt that way then. I, I think a high school football game is great to have on TV if it's a Thanksgiving Day game and a rivalry. Like like one year when I was at ESPN, we did this um, Thanksgiving Day game at Lafayette College at Leopard Stadium. Uh, and um, uh, Stan White, the old linebacker from Ohio State, and I called the game. And uh, Corso went with us because we were the game day crew. And Carrie Ross, our sideline reporter, that was our reporter on game day back in those days, she was our sideline reporter. It was Phillipsburg against Easton, Pennsylvania, right on the New Jersey-Pennsylvania uh, border. You know, games like that that are high school games being televised, and I think we put it on at 10 o'clock in the morning to have something to put on opposite the Rose Bowl parade. And it was a, it was a novel idea. Our old programming executive, uh, Lauren Matthews, God rest his soul, had that idea, and, and uh, it was well watched, and it was uh, it was a success. But I'm not a big fan of the hey, I'm going to put the uh, caps out, and then I'll you know 
fake like I'm picking up this run. I, I can't stand that stuff. I, I don't like it at all. I will say to your point that you were making just as I hopped on, the transfer portal is a lot more fun to keep an eye on from distance. You know, I, I, I kept an eye on recruiting from distance as I do the portal and it is a lot more because it's, 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 it's instantaneous, you know, that in recruiting, you don't know if you've got a, uh, you know, Charlie Weiss had two, uh, number one, uh, recruiting classes at Notre Dame. He, he never really won anything there. Okay. Because you don't know how long these guys are going to stay. And if they are a top class, uh, how, how many of them will actually uh, stay and get through and, and finish there? You never know. When you're dealing with a portal, you're getting instant uh, impact from whoever that, that person is that's going to come on your team. And I think that um, we've seen this year, especially with the balance that's out there in college football, because there are no dominant teams, what is really helping, it was we were already going towards flattening the landscape with a distribution of talent that was more evenly uh, matched. Now with the portal, it's really underscoring that. I mean, uh, what a year it would be if we had 12 in now. Hell, I think you can make a case that 15 or 16 teams right now could make a case that they could win it all if they had a chance to get in a playoff. You know, so, and we're finding that out in the final year of the four, which I think will just whet everyone's appetite for the future. Tim, every once in a while you have a guest in the show and they say something, you realize why you like them so much, and you and I are completely simpatico on recruiting. Uh, <laughs> it was yeah. – I, I feel that exact same way. Uh, Tim, Georgia had that scare against Auburn. Uh, they're still a fantastic team that's deeper than probably everybody else. Are they – and this is not their fault that the schedule fell this way, but are they a little bored? Yeah, and I think America is bored with them. Okay. Um, I, I watched very closely this past weekend. And when I got back in, I did that Friday game last week at Oregon state. So I had a chance to watch a little bit more football on Saturday than I normally would. And listen, that is as poor uh, Hugh freeze coached offense as you're going to see at Auburn. All right. They had them on the ropes. I mean, seriously on the ropes should have probably won the game. And if Brock Bowers is not on the field, they do win the game. All right. And and tell me where the playmaker on the Georgia program is that's not the tight end, Brock Bowers. I, I don't see one. Uh, I don't see the receivers I saw a year ago. Uh, I think Carson Beck is highly overrated. Uh, he, he's not. He's certainly not as good as the quarterback that for years the Georgia fans bemoaned was never good enough. We need to make a change. Why can't we put in JT Daniels? And he went about the business of winning two straight national championships. Um, Georgia is ready to be beaten, and I think Kentucky is capable. I really do. Um, Kentucky's playing well at bo- on both sides of the ball. They have a quarterback now that can really sling it, and they're more willing to have explosive plays. Uh, if Georgia answers the bell because they are so much deeper than everybody else, and I know they are, uh, you know, Kirby has recruited beautifully, but uh, the only thing separating Kirby Smart from Dabo Sweeneyland from discounting the transfer portal altogether is the quality competition, which his team has not yet played this season. So Georgia uh, still has a, a very weak schedule to play, even by SEC standards. Right, take, take away the non-con, which is a joke, but even if you look at the SEC, 
the teams they're playing are weak. But I still think they're very capable of screwing the pooch and not getting to the national championship this year. I, I would be shocked if this Georgia team is playing for the national title. Tim, another interesting game of the SEC this week. Uh, LSU coming off of that loss to Ole Miss. I know our, our producer here, Garrett's a big LSU fan. He's just he's beside mm-hmm. himself with their, their defense especially. <laughs> and meanwhile, I've got Mizzou with this 5-0 and start. Um, the big win over Kansas State being the highlight. But, yeah, what are your thoughts on just all the implications here and, and where both teams kind of arrive uh, on Saturday uh, in, uh, in Missouri? Well, DBU is now CTU. <laughs> Okay, the, 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 the secondary that was DBU is now CTU, can't tackle you, okay? <laughs> yep. they, they, run, they run from one-on-one situations when they are uh, trying to make a play in space. Uh, that last touchdown Ole Miss got, they had three members of their secondary, one closer to the boundary, another directly in front of the receiver, another one just they had, they had him sandwiched, from the hash mark into the boundary, and he scored with ease. <laughs> it was like, what am I watching here? Um, if you didn't know better, you would say that maybe the coaches on defense told the guys, look, we're out of timeouts, let them score. Now, I know they didn't do that, but <laughs> if you were a fan of your team and you were trying to win the game, your better chance of winning if you were LSU was for that kid to go ahead and score with the hopes that you get the ball. And they almost did, obviously. You know, they had a ball into the end zone that could have been caught that Daniels threw, or they may have won the game. Uh, one of the areas about the portal that is susceptible for for being problematic is, is what you're seeing in Baton Rouge. They lost a ton of guys on defense, especially their secondary, and they got a bunch of portal guys back there that either, A, aren't getting it yet, or B, uh, aren't all in, okay? They are not all in on playing the kind of defense that LSU wants them to play. It's got to be one or the other. Uh, Perkins, who's one of the most dynamic players individually in college football, because of what they've done defensively, has been a non-factor this year. Uh, So to me, one of two things is going to happen in Missouri. Either this spiral uh, downward, is going to continue because these these transfers that they were counting on don't get it. And I thought we got a good sign of them giving up on LSU in the second half of that Florida State game. Okay, they rolled over, and LSU had a very good chance to win the game against Ole Miss, but that defense rolled over for Lane Kiffin's team, and they lost in Oxford. So there's two indicators right there that they're right for the picking for Eli Drinkwitz's team. Uh But I think that they are so good offensively, and I think that there is enough uh, pride, if you will, in in the LSU defense and its team, its standing as a national program, that they'll bounce back, win this game. And if they win it, I'll submit to you that I believe they'll win every game left on their schedule, including Alabama, who's a a one-dimensional team who will be exposed this week. A&M, in my opinion, wins this game. Milrow cannot become a passer and win the game. All A&M's got to do defensively is force him to throw the ball. Once they do that, it's ball game. And the Aggies have too many athletes on defense. Their offense, I thought, was showing some signs of recovery last week. The right guy is a quarterback by default. The kid from LSU that transferred in should have been the starter 
at the beginning of the year, in my opinion. And I think that they've got now the kind of leader that you want. And Milrow has never played. I mean, never played as a starting quarterback in the SEC in a place like um, Texas A&M. And uh, you, you watch. A&M wins this game, and I think they win this game with authority. Tim, have you ever done the Texas OU game? No, I have not. I've was, done okay. Texas, Texas A&M. I've done Auburn, Alabama. I've done Alabama A&M. I've, I've, but no, I've, I've never done the Red River rivalry. I suspect that I probably won't <laughs> now that they're going into the SEC. Uh, but, yeah, that's uh, it was the first game I ever attended, Smoke. Okay. Uh, a State Fair game of 1962 when they were filming the movie State Fair with uh, Pat Boone and Ann Margaret and Bobby Darren uh, at the Cotton Bowl. I'll never forget it. My dad uh, and my uncle uh, took me to the game. And uh, as a six-year-old, uh, it was amazing. You know, everyone dressed to the nines. The stadiums, uh, the stadium was um, unique in, in as much as you had uh, one side and one side. And you, if you were not, if you didn't have a dog in the hunt, we didn't. Uh, you were just amazed at what you were seeing. Yeah, even as a six-year-old, you know, you really were. Tim Brando, Fox Sports, with us on 365 Sports. 1962 and Margaret. Holy cow. That's a, <laughs> that's a memory right there. Did you see the movie? Did you see the movie? I'm going to did now. You, did you see the movie? I'm going Stay to sure. now. Just, uh, yeah, it's it's an all-timer. It's a musical, and it's a, it's a great old-time movie. Uh, state Fair. My State Fair is a great State Fair. I used to call it the State Fair game when I was hosting game day because, um, you know, to me, uh, living on the border of Louisiana and Texas, uh, we always wanted to go to the State Fair in Texas first because two weeks later the State Fair would be in Shreveport. And so uh, it was a nice – ours wasn't quite as big, but we knew what to expect if we went to the State Fair in Texas. <laughs> Tim, um, do you – feel like USC's game against Colorado is any kind of indicator of, of that they haven't really gotten better on defense like they needed to? I dropped them like a lead balloon <laughs> in my poll. And I had seen them and was impressed with the changes in their defense. I thought that uh, Bear Alexander, the five-star transfer from Georgia that's playing the zero technique in the middle, was getting a bull rush, and he was occupying at least two, sometimes three guys, and still getting to quarterbacks. I thought uh, getting Mason back, the transfer from Oklahoma State at middle linebacker, was going to help them, and uh, I was wrong. Uh, I got an early indicator about what would happen with Colorado when I saw them almost lose the game with Arizona State, a team that was playing with its fourth starting quarterback, uh, and a kid named Scadaboo, who was the FCS player of the year, who had over 200 yards of total yards and was not only running the ball and a 62-yard touchdown, touchdown pass catch that was incredible. He bowled over three different uh, USC players to get there. Uh, but he also threw a pass. They had him in a wildcat throwing the ball. He, he, he put together a quick kick. Uh, Cam Scadaboo, remember that name. He's a hell of a talent. Uh, for Arizona State, they had the ball down six with uh, – down seven, excuse me, down seven with uh, seven minutes to play. And, I mean, that was a 34-point underdog. So I, I had a real inclination that, that Colorado would cover. 
And it took USC's offense just uh, taking a deep breath after they got a 28-point lead for Shadur Sanders to, to take off and USC's defense to get sloppy. Um, USC is not a, a national championship caliber team because of their defense. Their offense is embarrassment of riches. Mm. More wide receivers and, and tight ends than you could imagine. Caleb Williams is arguably the best quarterback in the country. I don't think he'll win the Heisman the second straight time because of the way the Heisman voting is handled now versus the way it was with Archie Griffin in the 70s. But he's not getting much help. Uh, and there are defenses in the USC that are, as you know, very good. Oregon State's one of them. Uh, we saw that uh, on display against Utah on Friday night. Utah clearly is still one of the great defenses. Good enough to beat USC twice a year ago. Uh, but a lot of scrimmage in the Pac-12 is actually pretty good. It's one of the reasons why it's the best league in the country right now. And I say that, and fellas, even my friends in SEC country, I'm not getting a lot of pushback. Uh, the balance of, of really good to great teams in the Pac-12 now is off the charts. Wazoo, Oregon State, uh, Oregon, Utah, UCLA is much better defensively. UCLA's defense is a hell of a lot better than USC's right now. And um, next week, by the way, you mentioned that Spencer and I had two games uh, a couple of weeks ago. We're going to have two games again next week. We're going to go into Houston for that West Virginia game on Thursday night next week. And then we're going to fly back to Corvallis for a Saturday tilt between Oregon State and UCLA, which, which I think is going to be a hell of a, hell of a game. Hell of a game. Uh, the Pac-12, everyone's expecting them to cannibalize, fellas, but I, I think one or two of these teams might emerge. Uh, in the past, they all, always have cannibalized, but they're so good now up front, some of these teams, that if they really just catch up and button up other areas of their game, their defenses are good enough uh, to get to the CFP. I really believe that. Tim, big game for uh, Tech and Baylor this Saturday night in Waco as somebody will get to 500, have won a couple in a row after a, a bad start yeah. for both teams and, and will be 2-1 and one in Big 12 play. But obviously, as I'm sure you and, and everybody else saw Baylor with the incredible win mm. last weekend over UCF, just curious of, of your thoughts on that. And also, uh, for you as a broadcaster, what does the greatest comeback call evoke for you in terms of your career? And uh, maybe a game that you thought, like, this is so over, and then you <laughs> found yourself calling a thriller by the end of it. Yeah, I've had a few of those. Uh, I've had quite a few of those. Uh, some that uh, were, were far back, but still uh, really good games. Uh, uh, the, years ago uh, in the SEC, I, I thought well, the Arkansas's first win – at Tuscaloosa against Alabama when Danny Ford was, was quarterbacking and, and the kid JJ Metters caught a cat, uh, caught a touchdown pass that was a little controversial. We didn't have replay back then. Did he trap it or did he catch it? Uh, the sideline went wild. Alabama thought they had it put away. Stallings was coaching the tie back then. I want to say Freddie Kitchens may have been, uh, his quarterback at that time. So it was probably 95, 96. Uh, and, and Alabama had a, a, a two-score lead. That's one that kind of jumps out at me. But there are many others. What happened? When well, you're talking 21 egg, okay, and you're one in three, uh, I think maybe the light came on for Baylor. And I know they've been banged up. Uh, Shapen being out of the lineup certainly didn't help uh, early in the year. But I think that there's a rallying cry uh, taking place. But this is also a Texas Tech team 
as you guys know, I thought would be much better. You know, I, I'm, the Big 12 has had a hard time this year on the field. It's still doing great off the field. You know, as, as, as we watch, as I'm going back to do another Pac-12 game next week, you know, the Pac-12 death march is, is really taking them up this yellow brick road to supremacy in college football this year. But the good news for the Big 12 is they inherit some of those teams, and, uh, and it's going to be fun for them. Uh, when they do, and I, and I would highly recommend, by the way, that the, 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 the conference take a long look at that land-grant institution in Oregon and the one in Washington, too. I, I, I really would, because those two programs, even though they don't bring great markets, their product is really good, Wazoo's product and Oregon State's. Um, the Texas Tech uh, losing the game the way they lost it at Wyoming uh, – and I've got them, as you know, on Saturday night in our Fly in the Ointment title game between Fresno State and, and Wyoming and Laramie. Uh, I think, listen, the winner of that game will be a New Year's Six. I think they'll be the two-lane of this year. I, I really think that. Uh, those are the two best non-Power 5 teams that I've seen. Uh, but, but I think that there's without question a chance for either Texas Tech or Bama. The winner of this game could flip the switch and really be a tough out the rest of the way which is something that, frankly, both Texas and OU need. You know, to, to for the Big 12 to sort of see, I'm guessing this is why your mark's not there on Saturday at the Cotton Bowl. Uh, he knows Greg Sankey is going to be there. And to watch Texas and OU play a de facto uh, Big 12 uh, title game preview uh, this early in the season, knowing they're going to the SEC, maybe not what he had in mind. Uh, it would be... <laughs> It would be it would be really good, I think, to see one of these teams that we thought were going to be good, K State, TCU, that lost last week to West Virginia. Somebody step up. I mean, right now, other than OU and Texas, who besides West Virginia has a good story to tell at this stage? Tim, would you take Neil Brown off the hot seat? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, I would. Yeah, I think uh, uh, that win at TCU was big time. And, and they did it with a couple of uh, magnificent plays by their special teams uh, to get two blocked field goals uh, to ice that game away. I think at least one of those two, I'm sure Sonny felt like, oh, my God, at least one of those has got to you know, get in the air. How does that not happen? Uh, but that was a huge win for West Virginia, especially when you consider they had two players carted off the field in the middle of the game. I mean, how many times does that happen? on the road where you have two influential players get carted off and, and you come away with a huge road win quite like that. So I'm impressed with West Virginia and with Neil Brown. He needed it. He absolutely needed it because if he was staring at the same record that uh, uh, Aranda's staring at right now, they would oh, – They'd be burning more than couches in Morgantown. <laughs> Tim, I know that there's a company now that helps with the laminated spotter boards. You showed us one that you have, and I'm sure right there next to part of where you are sitting in your man cave. To do two games in one week, I've I, again, in, in a radio-type style, all of us have here on the set, and it's not easy. Yeah. What is that like? Is that a sledgehammer of a week? Yeah. You don't, I don't feel it until it's over. Yeah, I don't feel it till it's over. What 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 you do is now the last time we had that happen, we were doing the Purdue Wisconsin game on a Friday night, and then we flew direct from Indianapolis the next morning to Phoenix to do the Saturday night game between SC and um, 
and Arizona State. Now, it did help a little that we had seen SC two weeks earlier against Stanford at home, but you still have to formulate, update all your stats on your board. Uh, what I do is I – it's last game first, first game last in your preparation, meaning uh, when I get home from my game on uh, Sunday uh, that we're doing Saturday uh, in Laramie, uh, I will already be looking at the depth charts for uh, both teams that I have in the Thursday game between Houston and uh, West Virginia. And I'll be formulating the board depth chart-wise on Sunday into Monday and looking at the tape from the games played uh, before, obviously West Virginia TCU last week because they don't play this week, and Houston's as well. But I do that on Sunday, Monday. I have that board completely done by the end of Monday. And when we get into Tuesday, because I'm going to have to leave for the game Thursday, uh, I'm going to have to leave no later than early Wednesday morning. I got to get on that board and I got to do my cram study on the sec, on the, on the first game on Tuesday into Wednesday when I travel. And then when we have our meetings with the home coaches, which would be on, um, on Wednesday, uh, in Houston, uh, I haven't even looked or even thought about the game that I'm going to do Saturday in Corvallis, Oregon. Okay, so last game first, first game last, and you just do – I don't want anything to get in the way of what's next. The next game is what matters most. It's going on the air. So I completely forget about the second one, and then you just look at it as a short week and and not and not think about the fact that you're actually doing – two football games in, in three days uh, across three time zones. I mean, you just have to look at it that way. Uh, to be honest, it's not nearly as hard as doing eight teams, four games in the first round of the NCAA basketball tournament. That is the most taxing preparation I've ever had to go through. But I'll tell you, having done it and having done it, um, let's see, I did 16 NCAAs for CBS and um, – yeah, so I did it 16 times uh, in my 18 years at CBS, and um, it was incredible. Um, but I call on that kind of uh, background in terms of your level of concentration to get it done. And while I'm doing it, I don't even think I'm excited. You know, I, yeah. it's a privilege. It's a privilege to get to do these games, and uh, and in this day and time, it's a privilege to get to do these games at the game. Okay, I don't lose sight of the fact that some of these guys are having to do it in a basement, can't imagine, or in a, yeah. clo- or in a closet somewhere in some studio, whether it's in L.A. or or, or Bristol, Connecticut, or Charlotte, or uh, wherever they're doing the games from. I, I I've not been asked to do that yet, and I hope that I I never am asked to do that. Uh, but I, it looks like that's the wave of the future. I I hope that uh, as time goes on and we get further and further away from COVID. Uh, the demand for the announcers to be there is greater um, because it needs to be. The guys calling the game should be at the game. If you don't mind, one more question. In all the years you've covered, and you've covered huge events, and you mentioned game day and all of that, but yeah. and some of the other major sports as well, was there ever a time in your career when you got so much early that you didn't appreciate it at one point and you had to take a deep breath and smell the roses? Yeah, yeah, I was guilty of that. Smokey, I, I was. I I, uh, I think that the one thing that happened in my career this past week, uh, Sean McManus, my old boss at CBS, 
uh, decided to retire after 27 years uh, as the president and later chairman uh, at CBS. Uh, as the son of Jim McKay, uh, going into the business the way he did, but not to be like his father, but to do the things that uh, he was having to do for his, his father's bosses. Uh, he fashioned himself as someone that wanted to one day run a network, not call a, a championship game. And he realized that dream. He's only a couple of years older than me. And um, when I worked at CBS, uh, I, he knew I was a, an historian and how much I thought of his dad and the people that worked with him. And Kurt Gowdy being my hero, which, by the way, as you know, that's Wyoming. That's where Kurt went to school. Mm-hmm. They have a state park named for him. Uh, 20 miles outside Laramie, Wyoming, so I can't wait to go there. I talked to his son, Kurt Jr., who's retired. He, like Sean, was running a network. He was running SNY in New York after a sterling Emmy Award-winning career as uh, the leader of Wide World Sports at ABC. And I let him know that I was so psyched to be going where Kurt was as a player. You know, he's in the Hall of Fame for basketball and for tennis at Wyoming before he even became a legendary broadcaster. But but Sean was talking about um, the time to step away, the time that he put in and the time to step away. When when I got complacent, uh, and maybe to some extent, uh, I say complacent, I, not on the air, but complacent about my position, was probably about 10 years into my stay at CBS, where I felt like, okay, I'm here, this is what I'm supposed to do, and you just, you know, you just get through it. You just... And, and I think that I, I started taking the job itself for granted. Now, granted, I was doing still a lot of studio work as well as play-by-play because that's what they wanted me to do. And I was of greater value, I think, to them at that time by doing both studio as well as play-by-play, but a lot of both. I mean, a lot of both. I did five SEC games in years when I was still the studio host, but whenever we had uh, double-ups where we had two games, they would send us out. Either I would be with Steve Berline or they'd send Spencer with me or they'd uh, give me Aaron Taylor or someone else to work with. Uh, and I wanted to do those games. I mean, that was part of my deal. But I think I got complacent or, shall we say, uh, not not taking time to, to realize what a privilege it was and, uh, and smell the, the roses, as you like to put it. And uh, as a result... Uh, when when it came time for me to, uh, to to face the music at a time when I felt like, hey, I should be doing the regional finals again, and I'm not, uh, I, I, I became maybe a little bit uh, concerned about whether I was uh, still one of the ace guys that they had at CBS. Uh, and as you know, I had an abrupt exit from there. Uh, and when I did exit, uh, I was to some extent responsible for it. Uh, and I understand that now. Uh, and I, I've, uh, the bitterness that I felt at the time when I left CBS was erased very quickly when for eight months I didn't know what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. And to CBS's credit, to, to Sean's credit, he allowed me because they, there were items on their end too that they were responsible for, but I was also culpable. Uh, and they allowed me because of my time spent 18 years there to sort of handle the narrative on my exit. Uh, and when the time came for uh, Fox to vet me, uh, they were very kind in saying what they said about me so that I would have this sort of golden parachute and wind up 
at Fox Sports and, and not take a step further down in the business. Uh, I actually enhanced my career by leaving CBS and going to Fox, but for about seven or eight months of time as a free agent, I didn't know what was going to happen, how it was going to land. Would my career be over at 58? And I think that I was responsible in some measure for that because uh, I didn't have my head screwed on exactly right. I needed to be thinking about what an honor it still was to do this. You know, when you do something for 30 years, it's easy to start thinking, okay, well, this is what I do. This is where I'm, this is where I'm slotted and this is going to be as good as it gets. And, and you forget to continue to improve and to get better. I, I think I lost some of my mojo. And uh, ever since I've been at Fox, I've been as enthusiastic about every game I've ever done as I've ever been. I view each game that's in front of me as the next great game. And when someone says to me, uh, or you see it on social media, Tim, should, you should be doing a bigger game. I'm like, hell, I thought my game was great. Mm-hmm. I love the game I did. And uh, I can't imagine being any other place than where Spencer and I were. And so when they asked me to do two games uh, in three days or two games in two days to me, that means that Brando's got his mojo back, Yep, uh, that they want me on those games, and I'm glad that they do. Tim, we're glad you're with us when you can be, and, and I know the schedule sometimes is so tight that you can't, but we appreciate <laughs> it anytime, and we'll always reach out to you. Good luck with all of what's in front of you. Thank you for the knowledge, the true serum, and also the time. You bet, fellas. Tim Brando, Fox Sports, in the comments in the chat room, and uh, would love to see the conversation with Brando and even a Bill Walton or Brando showing his true class and humility by admitting he made mistakes and uh, his memory. Uh, I've always liked Tim Brando. Of course, a lot of you, thank you for the conversation. Someone said, why is this not the best segment every week? It is. Uh, according to one of you or a couple of you in the chat room, we do appreciate that. When we come back, Mac Rhodes was at Big 12 meetings yesterday in Dallas. And, uh, man, we've got a lot to dig into, and we will, and this is 365 Sports. Everybody probably at some point has to battle the weight issue. You get a little lazy, you start to eat too much, and you're not working out. Your metabolism is not good, and so you look for a way, the easy way, to be able to continue to be undisciplined with your diet or what you do with exercise, and there are options. There is one way that works every time. Because it's methodically taking care of working out, losing weight, along with inches, and that feeling of when you put a pair of pants on and all of a sudden they're a little more loose, that is, that's a great feeling. You just feel better. Walk through the front door at Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness. Ask for help. The personal trainers from Christy London to Randall Corley to Nathan Roach. And then on top of that, they have all the equipment you can imagine from weights to machines. Classes galore every single day but you have to walk through the front door. They will help you once you do. The best way, the most methodical way, and the best way to not just lose inches and weight, but also sustain the success of all the hard work, blood, sweat, and tears. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness on Lakeshore Drive in Waco. One size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses. But when it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one size fits all strategy. Cam Heathcott, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why we take the time to understand your needs, knowing you. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Cam Heathcott in Conroe at 936-756-7717. Edward Jones, member SIPC. SIPC. 
TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge Checking and Savings accounts to earn interest or cash back with five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app. Banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Penny Clinic Men's Healthcare in Woodway is now proud to offer you men an exceptional weight management body sculpting product called semaglutide, also known as Ozempic or Wegovi. Semaglutide is an FDA-approved weight management medication. Once-a-week injections of this powerful medication offers an average body fat weight loss of 20% within the first year of treatment. In addition to body sculpting, semaglutide also normalizes blood sugars and has the clinical research proof of reducing blood pressure, cholesterol, stroke, and heart attack risk. If you're like most men and you have stubborn fat that will just not respond to typical diets and exercise, then help us finally here. Semaglutide, affordable, highly effective. Google search Petty Clinic Waco and reach out to the Petty Clinic team today for a free consultation with Dr. Petty to see if semaglutide is right for you. Go to PettyClinicLowT.com. Baylor Scott & White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott & White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. Welcome back to 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Our weekly segment with Baylor Director of Athletics, Mac Rose, is brought to you by Edward Jones Investment Brokers, Ben Erlinson, Brad Wilson, Cam Heathcott, and Chuck Verno. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. All right, here we go. Craig Smoke, Paul Catalina, David Smoke. This is 365 Sports. Baylor Director of Athletics, Mac Rhodes, back from Dallas, Big 12 meetings. And we will get into that thing uh, of what happened on Saturday uh, in Orlando. And I know you want to get to that, too. But uh, all 18 schools represented uh, up in Dallas, including the incoming four, the two on their way out, the four that joined this year. Uh, what was that like, Mac? And thank you very much, as always, for your time. Yeah, for for a portion of the meetings, at least it was uh, it was eighteen, and so uh, a lot of people to, to to have in in one room or or uh, you know some some joined via Zoom, but um, you know uh, probably that portion was uh, was a little bit of uh, of chaos, but no, really good meeting, positive. Um, it was it was good to have everyone there. You know when we when we talk about you know, the future of the conference, uh, conference future things, um, Oklahoma and Texas do not participate in, in that portion of the meetings. And so 
thought we we uh, we did a lot of good work. Uh, the the sixteen of us, as we as we think about the uh, the future, and and then I thought we you know had some some really good conversations, just uh, you know things that we we needed to address um, in the now with the uh, with the eighteen. How uh, are the the discussions when Texas and Oklahoma are involved? Obviously, they have their eye somewhere else. They're playing this weekend. But has that kind of like become much more applicable or uh, amicable, excuse me, than maybe in the past? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's very amicable. And, and um, you know, those, those parts of the meeting, those topics are very laser focused. And um, so there's, there's not a lot of room for, for you to get off, off the tracks and, and um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about, you know, officiating reports and um you know in the moment you know those those types of things um you know and and uh uh just you know bowl game scenarios and and basketball schedule you know for for this year and you know things of things of that nature so uh again really uh really focused and then uh you know we uh probably you know i'm i'm gonna guess you know two-thirds of the meeting you know, are, are really just uh, the 16 of us in, in talking about uh, talking about the future. Mac, uh, how how soon do you guys get to football scheduling? Yeah, um, so you know this this meeting you know was a was an important meeting from the from the standpoint that we we talked about just the formula, you know, what we would we would call the matrix, and so how how we would put you know, the, the, the schedule together. And, uh, again, uh, certainly appreciate the, the work with, with fellow colleagues, with, uh, uh, an additional four other athletic directors. And so the five of us along with Scott Draper have, have spent time, you know, putting that together. And so, you know, that was a, that was a big step for us to, to get over. And, uh, and then we'll begin to, to start, you know, really uh, putting together schedules and looking at sequencing and 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 just making sure they they follow you know our our hard principles as as well as, as soft principles and and certainly the the matrix of of how we do all of it and um, so you know I I would hope that um, you know um, by the by the championship game for for certain but um, we'll we'll see how this how the, this next step and process goes, how quickly we can get through, you know, looking at, um, you know, the, the different variables and, and how it and how the schedule actually comes together uh, with our with our principles. Will there be like a, initially like teams and not quads as far as winning quads or pods, but is there going to be like you're going to have your three or four you're going to play every year and then you have how is that going to be difficult with 16 teams? Uh, it, I mean it's a it's a challenge and and you know we're really looking at it you know and and probably sharing more than than I should but we're really looking at it you know in terms of cycles of four years you know the the thing that's a little bit hard and even though we talk about you know a, a cycle of four years. Um, we know that we're going to have to probably take a, uh, an additional look after two years, just with the, uh, with, with the, uh, CFP and, and, uh, and, you know, 
going to going to you know 12 teams and and just making sure that that um, you know what we're doing is is making sense when we think about you know given given the Big 12 the the best opportunity to have you know multiple teams in uh, in the playoffs and uh, you know part of this this conversation you know not necessarily maybe for this upcoming year is, you know, we got to, we got to be thinking about, you know, how many, how many power five teams do we want to play annually versus, you know, what the rest of the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the power five, power four leagues, um, what, what they're doing, you know, right now with non-conference games and, and the mandate to play, you know, one of your, your three non-conference against a, a power five, you're, you're having to play, you know, 10 power five. Well, how does that line up if, if the SEC is only playing nine, nine power five? Does that give them a better opportunity to get more, uh, more teams into the, into the, uh, the CFP? So those are all of the, the, the conversations that we're having. And, and obviously there's some fluidity to do, uh, fluidity to it. But, um, you know, I think we'll, we'll land in a, in a, in a good place here, uh, hopefully by the, by the championship game. Mac, uh, I guess that scheduling talk, did that also revolve around basketball, or was that John Rothstein report that came out yesterday about uh, the league discussing playing perhaps 20 league games, uh, not this season, but uh, obviously not this season, but perhaps the following season? How much of the balance was football scheduling and basketball scheduling and just, I guess, scheduling galore, right? Yeah, you said it right, Craig, scheduling galore. <laughs> and so, you know, there was uh, there was obviously – you know, conversation, uh, a lot of conversation about football scheduling. And then, you know, we took time to, to address both, both men's and women's basketball. And then, uh, and then kind of just the rest of the sports, uh, globally. And we're, we're actually going to have to, because time didn't, didn't allow and permit, we're going to have to actually come back to, um, in a, in a one-off meeting, really, really begin to drill down on on the other sports and you know certainly you know part of the the other sports discussion is just the the travel and with midweek games you know how do we how do we deal with that when we think about you know the uh the well-being of our of our student athletes and and then you know what what i would would tell you about you know the men's basketball schedule you know specifically um 20 games is is certainly an, an option you know, you got to be thinking about, um, do you want to buy week? Um, you know, if, if you do with a 20 game schedule, you probably need to begin, you know, conference play before Christmas rather than after Christmas. And so there's a lot of that going on, but, you know, I think we're, we're going to land that here pretty, pretty quickly. And, you know, um, just, and, and just because, you know, we decide, you know, X amount of conference games with, with men's basketball doesn't mean that that will be the, the, the same number with women's basketball, you know, vice versa. So, um, you know, we're, we're really allowing for some, some flexibility and, and autonomy, you know, um, with, with each of, uh, of, of those two different, two different programs, meaning, meaning men's basketball versus, versus women's basketball. So, but uh, 20 games is, is certainly on the table. Mac, I, I can't imagine the thought process on Saturday, twenty-one nothing, twenty-eight seven, thirty-five-seven, and and uh, I mean, I was going to joke about this whether you had a little short list in your pocket you started looking at, but it was dire and it was almost rock bottom. 
Can you try to explain what that comeback meant to the program, the athletic department, even though there are still warts as they host Texas Tech on Saturday? Yeah, I, I think, you know, uh, there's there's no medicine like like winning, right? And, um, and so, um, you know, it was certainly a, a really, really important win for, you know, I think our, our staff and, and, um, and our, you know, student athletes or our players, um, just everybody involved in, and, um, because, you know, when you, when you work as hard as, as, as our, our players have worked and, and our, our staff has worked uh, week in, week out, every day. Um, when you're doing all of the, the little things the right way, you know, um, you know that that Sunday through through Friday, you know, in practice, in meetings, uh, doing all of the little things, you know, off the off the field the right way. And, and they're not translating into, into W's or, you know, again, you know, just being really, really candid, you know, um, great execution, you know, on the field on, on Saturday, it's, it's really hard. Um, it's really hard mentally, you know, Hey, we're, we're, we're doing all this. We're practicing hard. We're practicing, you know, um, with a, with, um, you know, a lot of energy and, and, and there's toughness in practice and all of those things. And yet it's not resulting. It's, it's hard. And, uh, and so for it to, to, to finally, you know, you, you see at least some, some fruit to the, to the labor and, and especially, you know, obviously in the, uh, in the, in the second half. Um, so it was a, it was a big win. It was a, a really, really important win for, for I think everybody. And, um, you know, now what, you know, how, how, what do we do with that? Right. And, uh, can it be a, a catalyst for some momentum? Um, certainly can it be a catalyst for some, some confidence? Um, you know, uh, you'd like to think so. Um, you, you hope so, right. You, you have, uh, as, as you mentioned, we have another tough opponent this, this Saturday, um, you know, uh, against, against Texas Tech. And so, um, we gotta, we gotta come out and build upon that second half and, um, you know, play, you know, like we did the, the second half, do that from the very, very start, um, mm-hmm. this game on, on Saturday. Mac, uh, just sticking with that before we, you know, look ahead here, but uh, what was the moment if, if one sticks out from that game where you went from, oh gosh, this, to like, there's a chance here. I mean, there was a lot of different players that had to make huge plays in that game. But when did you kind of get a sense of like this thing? This might turn in in our in our favor. Yeah, I, I don't know if there was one. You know, uh, Craig, and it's a great question, and I wish I had a better answer for you. I don't know if there's one particular moment. You know, um, you know, certainly, you know, when we the uh, the recovered fumble for you know, return for, for a touchdown. That, that was probably, if I had to pick one, um, that was, that was probably, um, it, but it was, um, I, I, I thought that, you know, we started to get in a rhythm offensively and, uh, and, and with tempo and I could just see confidence grow and build on the, 
on the sideline. Uh, and so I thought that was, that was really, really important. Um, you could just see some of that, that belief. You started to see some players, you know, be really, really vocal on the, on the sideline, both, both offensively and, and defensively. And so, uh, again, I thought that was, um, I thought that was really, really good. I thought halftime was really, um, you know, as you can imagine, right, walking into halftime, nobody was happy. Uh, like nobody was was happy. But I, I thought, you know, the way the way halftime was handled and and uh, it was it was, you know, focused on um, this is if we're going to win this game, these are the things we're going to have to do this this second half. And there was there was no finger pointing. And so I thought, you know, that that halftime was really, really solid. And, uh, and I thought that when we left the locker room, everybody was was in a, a in a good mindset. Um, so you know, all of those things, you know, obviously obviously came together. Mac, the, the Big Twelve now at uh, eighteen in that meeting yesterday. Eventually, will be at sixteen. Right now, it's at fourteen, and, and it changes. And there's been such a tumultuous couple of years since Texas OU and throughout. You added the four schools from the Pac-12. Uh, there have been, at least there's been speculation, and fans from Oregon State, Washington State, got kind of caught up and excited about the possibility that they were on the Big 12 radar. With all due respect to both programs, because they're both very good and wish them the best, have they been in any way, shape, or form in conversations with the Big 12? No, not not right now. And uh... – and, you know, again, I appreciate the, the, the question and, you know, um, those are, those are two schools that, that, um, somehow, some way they, they deserve to, to remain in a, in a, you know, power, power five, power four conference. Um, and, uh, you know, I can't speak to, to the future. And, you know, when I, when I say future, you know, that could be, you know, as soon as six months from now. A year from now, um, I think right now, you know, every everybody's kind of hit pause and, and and trying to digest. And because we're just in the throes of of football, um, and you know, when when you're when you're in the throes of a football season, it's it's all hands on deck for for everybody. Um, there's just there's been you know very little conversation about you know, further, further expansion. And, and certainly there is, there's been, you know, no, no conversation between the, between the big 12 and, and those two, two institutions. Not saying it won't happen in the future. Right, yeah. Cause but, I mean, who knows? I, I mean, no one, no one expected yeah. most of what we've seen the last couple of years to ever happen uh, either. Now, um, Joey McGuire in Texas tech come into town. It's the, the first time since he's been the head coach there, they played the year that he left is that still kind of an awkward, like, game for you and and for the I guess Baylor and Tech because of it? No, um, no, not really. I, you know, I, I feel like, you know, when you when you think about the Big Twelve and, and particularly moving moving forward, you know, we we obviously have the big rivalry with with TCU, um, but I also feel like you know Texas Tech is is a bit of rivalry, uh, a bit of a, of a, of a rivalry. And, and it's really important to, to, to both fan bases. And of course, you know, we, we made, 
you know, the, uh, we made the decision, you know, to bring it back to campuses and, um, and, and I think by bringing it back to campuses, it, it even, you know, maybe elevated the, the rivalry even, even more. So again, it's a, it's an important game, you know, to, to the fan bases and, um, you know, um, the, the fact that, that Joey was here for four years, you know, I had the, the opportunity to work with him obviously is a nuance to, to all of it. Um, you know, um, Joey, the head coach at Texas Tech, because of the time that he spent, you know, here, um, he's not the head coach at Texas Tech. If he, if he, you know, doesn't spend, uh, some time under, under Dave Aranda, um, I can I can say that with 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 certainty, and you know I, I think Joey would tell you the same, and he's got great great respect for for coach. So you know, wish him the very best, and uh, and uh, and I wish him the very best on most Saturdays, but um, certainly certainly not not this Saturday. Mac, thank you very much. You added a bunch of people to sports. I think it's the Sport Health and Medicine. Is that correct? I saw that press release that came out. Is that just adding to your staff? Yeah, that's um, it's it's some of it adding and some of it replacing. And um, yeah, so just again moving moving forward and, and making sure that that we're really focused and, and concentrated on on how we how we uh, take care of our our student athletes. Thank you. We'll see you Saturday. Mac Rhodes, Baylor's Director of Athletics, with us on 365 Sports today rather than Tuesday because of those meetings uh, we discussed with him on Monday night, I think it was, and also on Tuesday. Scheduling 16-team conferences across the country is going to be – like that is something if I had interviewed for a job and they're like, all right, well, part of your job is going to be figuring out how to get 16 teams across the country in all these sports. I mean, like, I, I don't think you've got the right guy. I yeah. think uh, – I think that's too many, you know, things like that because you could get, like, my fear would be you get, like, across the room, like, you're like, all right, we're done. And they're like, ah, oh, we left Arizona at all this, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be an algorithm, right? It has to be some sort of a yeah. computer-generated type model. But even then, you can still, like, you have to go through, like, different models over and over again to make sure that, mm-hmm. you know, everything is right and, mm-hmm. and it works. So Yeah, I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not down with the math and how all, I, I have no idea where do you even begin with trying to unpack all of the the different teams and the crossovers and the I just like how all that works just makes my my head go crazy uh so yeah I think you rely on the computers for a lot of that and then um yeah it's interesting that he separated the 20 game schedule as far as men's basketball yep. and women's basketball so it sounds like they're getting close to being able to to find a resolution there and you know that'll be interesting I know that when John Rothstein's report came out about the um the 20 team or the 20 game league schedule that, um, you know, there was a lot of reaction of like, awesome. There's a lot of people that were pumped up by the idea that that would be the case. So, um, sounds like that's, you know, on its way to, uh, possibly being a reality sooner rather than later. And so big 12 basketball fans get a bigger dose and, uh, that'd be good for them. Um, but meanwhile, I think is, uh, Oregon State fans and Washington State fans perked up when they heard Mac Rhodes' answer there about the, the – Yeah, he didn't shut it down. No, but he, he also – he just, again, for right now, as far as the conversations are not there. Yeah, not happening right now. And, you know, still, though, I think it leaves you just um, wondering what's going to happen with this lawsuit and what happens in the next month with that. Because, 
Um, there are some things to be decided about how the money is going to operate yep. and who's in control of what. And I think that's the big important piece to to figure out before you go on to anything else is, you know, are you talking about a situation where they're suddenly in control of a lot of assets or are you talking about something where it's not that and it's uh, the different outcome where it's not like as though you hit the lottery, I suppose. So that needs to be cleared up to, I guess um, – give them a better direction on what all would be possible. But, yeah, certainly not discouraging news by any means. I, The thing about expansion, the one part that I don't like about it, is the fact that I loved that everybody played everybody in every sport and in basketball, home and away, and in football you played everybody in your conference, and so you didn't get like a break when it comes to the schedule, which I know is impossible now when you get above 10 teams. Here is a tweet from Scotty B., from just a minute ago, he won last week's TexasBeefHouse.com Pick'em. Uh, thanks to Kim Coulter again for being the one kind enough and caring enough to donate the product or the gift cards. He got his uh, cooler. There's the product. It is amazing. And there you go. Scotty B showing off Ooh, what short, he won from the Pick'em. Short ribs. I may, I may have been a short rib kick. I think there was some sirloins, uh, short ribs. There was some sausage. There you go. Wow. Right there. There you go. And then, obviously, the, the, the part with Texas Beef House. There's a big auction. Remember, we've discussed that coming up just around the corner. So, again, how did he get that was by? All right, you went online and it's pinned at the top of our chat room almost every day. You go on and you pick the games that are in there. Christian McCollum puts the games up. There's anywhere between, like, 12 or 15 games I can't remember. You pick them. That's it. I do it every week just because I want to see how I do. And then the winner... And sometimes there's been a tie. The tiebreaker, of course, is uh, a certain games have more value than others. And then Christian will uh, pop it out to me on, what, Sunday? And then we contact the winner along with Samantha Duvall. It's just simple. You pick 12 or 13 or 9 or 12 games. That's it. And you win, you get $100, and you saw what he got in the cooler from Texas Beef House. Yeah, so it's really done, damn easy. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's really cool and uh, good for Scotty and all those who have won so far. Uh, definitely encourage everybody to get a part of that because what do you lose? Nothing. Doesn't not, cost not you anything but thing, like yeah. a few seconds of your time, and I'm pretty sure you all kind of know who you want to pick for most games anyway. So, yeah, head on over to that link and get involved, and Scotty's going to be eating good. So uh, good deal for him there. Yeah, and, and again, we mentioned the standings earlier. It's simple. It is, doesn't take any – I mean, you could just go in there and randomly pick whoever you want. I literally go in there wanting to see – if I do well, I cannot win the product. We cannot win the product. Those of us on the show are attached to 365 Sports, but there you go. And, there, and again, we can't thank Kim Coulter enough uh, for being the one that bought the gift cards and told Samantha Duvall about the promotion. When we come back and just around the corner, Baylor men's basketball, uh, they're wrapping up a practice, of course, men's basketball. We mentioned that with Mac Rhodes on the John Rothstein story about the possibility of 20 conference games. Scott Drew, national championship coach from that team a couple of years ago, will join us and more. And this is 365 Sports. Petty Clinic, LowT.com. Dr. Kent Petty can help you become the high-performance man you want to be, used to be, and need to be. As you get older, some men, one out of every three or four, have symptomatic issues of low testosterone. It happens. It is because of father time, and it's no different than some, unfortunately, have the battle when it comes to uh, high blood pressure or 
other issues you have when you're born. It's just part of the deal. And there's other things that you probably do that lead to certain symptoms of problems you have. But in this case, testosterone levels can drop. And if you have low sex drive, it's not the same. It's just not even close to the same. If you don't sleep as well, your energy is not the same. Your focus is not the same. It could be your testosterone. Doesn't mean it is, but it could be. Dr. Kent Petty and his staff, contact them. PettyClinicLowT.com. Upper left-hand corner, you'll see an email and phone number. Contact them, and they will set you up to get the blood work. They'll take care of that for you. You go get your blood work. They get the results. Dr. Petty will look at them, and if your testosterone level is too low, he can put you in a program to increase it so you can be and you want to be high-performance man you used to be at PettyClinicLowT.com. During Ram Power Days at Allen Samuels in Waco, get 2.9% for 72 months on new 2023 1500 Lone Star and Laramie 4x4 crew cabs or 11000 off MSRP on Lone Stars and 12500 off MSRP on Laramies. With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Niche Group Insurance Agency. With the Niche Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Niche Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Niche Group at 1-800-258-8302. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sikkim Bears. Looking to connect with Baylor alums in your area? Baylor alumni can help. Looking to host a watch party in your city? Baylor alumni can get you started. Want to step out in your community and serve with other alums? Baylor alumni is your connection with the university and each other. Let's get started. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni. Samantha Duball, marketing director for TexasBeefHouse.com. You know all about their great Wagyu beef and product they have. You can go to TexasBeefHouse.com for anything you want to order. But, Samantha, thanks for your time. There's an auction coming up in the month of November. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so November 11th, we're having our first public beef auction. Um, It's going to be here at our ranch in White House, Texas. It's going to be a live auction. You can bid in person. You can bid on the phone or we'll also have it online. And we're auctioning off Wagyu and Angus beef. We'll have 30 to 40 pound bundles. They'll be full of steaks, hamburger, and primals. This is perfect for not only the restaurant owners, but also homeowners. So if somebody wants to load up your deep freezer with some great, great product from a place that is just delivering all of the time with Wagyu from their ranch to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. This is 365 Sports. Are you a Sikkim 365 super fan? Then try out our premium subscriptions at Sikkim365.com. 365 Sports, Scott Drew around the corner. Chat room going 
Uh, in fact, Kim Coulter, Smokey, you do the pick them just because you want to beat Pax. Uh, he's way ahead of me. I had one week where I think I may have been right on three to five games. It's like anything else. You lose you lose your traction, and, and it's hard to get that back. Uh, Kim Coulter, Oregon State, Washington State are not getting the excess conference funds. That's 100% delusional. Yeah, I see, when we talked about this the other day, um, I – discussed how I read through the arguments for why they would be possibilities. And the biggest thing that we said, you can go back to listen to it, is this idea that this was something that was imminent was BS uh, and that there was nothing to there being something imminent. And um, that's true because there's not anything imminent. Now, you can take Mac Rhodes' comments and say, well, he didn't say this, and you'd be absolutely right because I don't think anybody in college athletics is guaranteeing anything but I do think the whole point of the argument for why they would be attractive isn't just like throw them a life raft or um, they're just they'd be cool partners to have. Uh, it all comes down to money, and so that argument is based on them, in particular, getting a hundred and like fifty million dollars, um, and then that would be you know the enticement for the Big Twelve to you know want them in, and the, there'd be all sorts of, of parts to that. But, yeah, that, you'd have to get that money first. And so that's what's going to be decided here in the next few weeks. And the, and even still, that doesn't guarantee anything, mind you. Mm-hmm. But that's, like, the big, you know, I guess, hook for the argument and and why they would be attractive now as opposed to, you know, any other time. And so, you know, yeah, if that were to go in their favor, that would obviously be a huge deal. But that's still a few weeks away. And I guess as one person believes, it's, there's no chance in hell of that happening. And uh, as we talked about yesterday, this this idea has a lot of like, well, if and if and if and if. And, yeah, if a lot of different things fall away, then perhaps there's a door that cracks open. But, like, we're nowhere close to that being the case right now, which was the main point. Of, there's nothing imminent. And there's not anything right now that's taking place to where Oregon State and Washington State fans are, like, getting an invite next week or something along those yeah. lines. And I feel like that's how it can be portrayed or how it's taken based on the people that ask me, like, wait, what do you – and it's, it's no, it's not anything that's right around Read the, the corner. Quote. Read the quote that you showed me that you I'm were going to tweet it from, out because so, yeah. I know it'll get a lot of interesting fodder. But but read the quote because there's part of it what he said. There has not been any contact or any discussion, but go ahead. Yeah, there's been very little conversation on further expansion talking about within the conference, and there's certainly been no conversation between the Big 12 and those two institutions. Not to say that won't happen in the future. I can't speak to the future, and when I say the future, that could be six months, a year from now. Yeah, and, and, so, or maybe never. So, yeah, the point being that there's nothing to that right now. And I know that the game and realignment to play is, is down the road, so you can keep always kicking that. And you know what? Who's to say? Like, we have no idea what, what is going to happen. But, yeah, there's nothing imminent. And I think a lot of the hopes are pinned to, you know, what the rulings are when it comes to the Pac-12, you know, and whether or not, in fact, those two schools have the network at their disposal mm-hmm. and whether or not they have $150 million uh, suddenly just in their two pockets. And, you know, it's still, um, I guess – uh, begs a lot of questions about just you know where they are and what they're trying to get done and what they can get done like as far as next year like how quickly can things come together you know what I mean because we've seen how with the pack deal the Big 12 can turn right around and make a schedule for next year just boom like that so that's always a possibility but yeah there's a lot of just like how would this work and and what would that look like and where are they in their pursuits and what works out better for them and and ultimately what do the courts decide will be the the big part of that i know this uh that uh we 
and because the Big 12 has had teams that have been in that position, but never in this position of Oregon State and also Washington State wishing them whenever that time might be, whatever they can do down the road, the best of luck. National Championship men's basketball coach Scott Drew just finished up a practice. David Smoke and Paul Catalina, Craig Smoke on 365 Sports. Uh, is this... I know that getting ready and game planning in the moments of a game might be what like juices you up the most. What is this like right now when you're cultivating your team? Hey, right in there. Thank you. Sorry, I'm walking out right now. I got full attention for you. Go no, ahead. Oh, Go ahead. Okay. So I know that game day or game planning or in-game changes has got to be like, that's got to be like a rush, like an adrenaline rush. But being able to, like, right now, molding your team during these times of the year, this practice time, what's that like for you? Man, that's a great question because in years past when you had um, 70% of your your returning players, they knew what your system was and you could kind of build. Now with the uh, uh, so much turnover, I think coaches are trying to find easier ways to put in what you're going to do offensively and defensively since you do have so many more new guys uh, on average. The next thing with that, though, is this time of year especially, it's so important you don't have a lot of injuries. And why is because you're trying to figure out rotation, who plays well with who, especially when you got a lot of new guys. Um, and normally how you do that is through competing. And whenever you compete, that's body on body, and you sometimes get injury, injuries. So um, knock on wood, we've been pretty blessed so far. Um, but we're looking forward to, I think this Friday, we'll have our full team for the first time since June in a practice. So this is maybe one of your um, different kind of mixes when it comes to transfers and experience and freshmen that might play. Like sometimes it leans one way or the other. You're pretty balanced across the board. Does that give you a little bit of, of confidence in, in your ability to be flexible in your lineup and what guys can do? Well, I think, I think uh, um, first and foremost, um, most coaches like their teams right now because they haven't faced a lot of adversity and no one's gotten a loss. But what I can tell you so far with our guys is they really compete hard. They like one another. They're fun to be around. And, and it's a good mix and a good blend of upperclassmen, like you said, uh, um, some new guys. So the, the younger guys keep it energetic. The older guys are doing a good job mentoring them. Uh, I, I would think that's why – uh, come this Friday when hopefully we have everybody in practice in the next two, three weeks. Now that they know what we're looking at offensively and defensively, we can really start to hone in on who plays best with who and, and what rotations we might look at. Scott, what's kind of the personality of this team that you've seen developed? I would imagine everybody's got uh, every year's a, a different, you know, group and, and um, you know, a different experience. What's sort of been the, the kind of characteristics and experience you've seen from this team so far? Well, I think uh, uh, work ethic, um, it's a hard-working group. And we've had a lot of hard-working groups. But um, top to bottom, this one's as good as any of them. Uh, as far as uh, 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 character and uh, just how they compete, like uh, in practice, don't have a lot of bickering, don't have a lot of complaining, just guys that are coachable and trying to get better and excited to get better. And then, and then because they compete hard, um, iron sharpens iron. That's that's the best way to improve. Scott, will this be one of your younger teams based on uh, the incoming and because of the, the changes and the turning of a roster? 
Yes, because it's relative also. And what I mean by that is you're still dealing with the COVID stuff. And because of that, you're dealing with fifth and sixth year guys. Uh, you remember guys last year, I mean, Texas, I think had three, six year guys on the team. So until we have this year and one more year of COVID and once that's done, then you're back to facing mostly four year guys with a couple five, fifth year guys rather than so many four, five and six year guys. Scott, you guys went to Paris this summer. Uh, I, uh, I know that, uh, when you went on the trip the last time that proved invaluable for team building, what, uh, habits have you seen come back from that, which I hope are not like eating dinner at 1030 at night, like they do there. <laughs> well, you know, that, 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 that their, their food's pretty good. And that 30 is <laughs> real. Um, uh, and the pastries are hard to turn down at 1030 at night. So, uh, uh, but, but other than that, uh, uh, great bonding experience, the 10 days of practice beforehand, uh, and, and really what, what being overseas is so good is you got to remember when, when guys get up for the first half of the day, everybody in the States is sleeping. So there's no social media, there's no phone calls, and they're just hanging out with each other and spending time together. And normally when you go through something together, that's how you grow closer together. So that bonding's invaluable. And then, then again, um, the jump start on the year practice-wise is, is really critical. Every player you brought in is there for a reason because you knew and thought and hoped that they're going to make a difference for your team. How much does Ray J. Dennis help you solidify what is probably the most important position in basketball? Well, I think first, first and foremost, he gives you experience there. And you can't replace experience. Um, you can be as talented uh, as all get out, but that poise that comes with the experience of being in there and have done that. Um, uh, not much he hasn't seen in college basketball, being the player of the year in the MAC, which is a really good basketball league, playing at Boise State. He's been in two great programs, really well coached. They've won a lot. Uh, I think I think the easiest thing to compare it to is really the quarterback position in college. And um, I, it doesn't matter if, if, what college team it is, Normally, freshman quarterbacks throw more interceptions than upperclassmen. Mm -hmm. And uh, taking care of the basketball is the first and biggest uh, uh, prereq for a point guard. And then the experience of knowing how to get your teammates involved, how, who to look for, where to get them the ball, when to get them the ball, um, knowing that, hey, this guy ain't gotten a touch, I got to get him a touch. You know, those little things that, 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 that come in. You had, I know you had the NBA guys in here this summer as well. I did, uh, coming back, ever, it seemed like everybody uh, that's in the league came back for, for a little while. What do you uh, glean from like letting your guys talk to those guys and, and how they listen and take in advice from, from the veterans like that? Well, for, first and foremost, some of these guys are here because of our vets. And then the second thing is um, our vets are here because of the, the vets before them and um, because of their love and care for the program, uh, it's easy for them to want to help and want to give back, and it's easy for these guys to listen um, and be receptive. So uh, that's an invaluable part of our, our program. Scott, what is more pressure-packed this, this day and age? You're down two. You just called your last time out. You get the ball in front of your own bench, and you're down two to draw up a play, and it's a massive crowd and it's loud or recreating your roster in this day and age of the transfer portal? No question. <laughs> uh, recreating your – and and that's where that's where uh, 
Uh, everybody loves, I think, no matter what profession, nobody wants uncertainty. Mm. So, like, if you have a job being uncertain, am I getting a raise? Am I getting fired? Am I getting demoted? Like, everybody just wants, like, do I have a job? What do I need to do? And coaches the same way. What's my roster? What do I need? How can I build? And um, the end of the season, uh, you have to uh, deal with who's going to the draft, who's not going to the draft, who's transferring. And you just want answers, and you don't get answers because the longer people have, the longer you're left in suspense. And 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 people in general don't like that. They like they like more certainty. And uh, um, spiritually, it's great to have faith and know God's always going to give us who we need. Um, but uh, sometimes we ask Him, can we get that a little bit quicker? <laughs> uh, yeah, there you go. Now, my last question for you is. You mentioned Friday you might have your full assortment of your team together for the first time. Is that because players who are coming back from any kind of injuries, or it, it, how, what does that do to? Yeah, um, uh, Jacoby had broke his nose and yep. uh, had surgery, and he gets back Friday. And he's the only one we have out right now. So um, the day we got Langston back, uh, we lost Jacoby. So uh, we're, we're just trying to get everybody back and uh, uh, hopefully – um, this Friday we will have that. I love the fact, I don't like the fact he broke his nose, but to me that means he's mixing it up somewhere, right? Or is he just caught like a, a, a straight elbow? Well, I, I can tell you, you don't have to worry about any of our guys backing down from mixing it up and, and, and playing hard. So it's, it's, it's a great group in that, in that realm. Thank you, Scott. We appreciate your time, man. We really do. Uh, oh, we did not ask you about the 20 conference games that has been reported. Mac was on with us earlier about the they're trying to get all that done with the new conference for next year. Is that something that is that something you like? Is that too many games? What are your thoughts about a 20 conference schedule? Well, I I believe in the math, and the math says um, if you play 20 games, it gives you the best chance of the conference to get a couple teams, a higher seed line, and mm-hmm. maybe an additional team in the NCAA tournament. So um, what's best for the league, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a team guy and uh, want what's best for the Big 12. So uh, I would prefer the 20-game team uh, uh, schedule. I, I, I can tell you that it, we, we were so blessed when we uh, were able to play everybody home and away and have a true champion. And who you play, where you play, that's going to have some dictation. But overall um, – 20 games gives you a pretty good sample size for who, who deserve that conference championship. Thank you for your time as always. Appreciate it, Scott. Scott Drew. Hey, thank you, guys. And a hey, great job, Smokey. When we were down 35-7, I saw you on the sideline making a couple plays. I and would, uh, what a heck of a win. I tell you, we got we got great momentum heading into this weekend. Yeah, and you, you, know, you were a part of a program that you were trying to build from scratch. Not that Dave has done that. But how critical, what does that mean, that, that kind of gutting it out like that to get a win when they really did need one after a very difficult start? Well, the, the, the thing I can tell you is uh, sports is such a momentum and mental thing. And when you get a, a win like that, um, that, that th- those, those could be season changes. They don't guarantee it, but they sure, they sure do help. And uh, uh, I always say you work really hard. You get the win, it's kind of like you get the paycheck. If you work really hard and you get the loss, you didn't get paid. And everybody has a job. You do want the paycheck at the end of the day. And winning gives you that. And that that momentum is going to be huge for us, I think, the rest of the year. Thank you very much. Scott Drew, National Championship men's basketball coach at Baylor. Full throttle, like every single time you've ever bumped into him, seen him, 
uh, and also had him on this show. He is just energy deluxe. Yeah, he's one of a kind, and uh, crazy that basketball season's almost here as well. So you got <laughs> yeah. to kind of start feeling the change in the air like I talked about yesterday and um, getting a little cooler out. I can't speak to the rest of the country, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's here, and we're going to start hearing the squeaking of sneakers and all that here pretty soon. And, it's gonna, and then, you know, just a few months, that little building over there oh, yeah. that's uh, getting bigger and bigger every day, that's going to be in full action, and that's going to be pretty sweet when that time comes. Now, I guess uh, I need to go walk over there to see how long it's going to take me since we're not going to have any, like, the parking at the yeah. Barrel Center is tough enough. Yeah. I, uh, so it's only 90 here today, which is great. When we were in Florida, our friends – uh, we're saying like, oh, we're sorry, it's so hot today, and I'm and like, well, what is it? And they're like, it's 85, but the humidity. So I'm like, look, I will take the 85 and the humidity yeah. over 192 degrees that we were getting every. Like, and they get the 20. occasional rain showers that kind of just cools everything yeah, out, fun. makes it more humid. It was, it was fine. Like I, I, I didn't you mind it. I didn't mind it at all. Yeah. So. Well, thank you to Scott Drew. Appreciate his access. Hope you've enjoyed our guest today. We're not done because Paul Catalina and his top five. Time for Paul Catalina's Top 5, brought to you by Texas Beef House. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. Top 5 ACC thoughts or observations, what do you want to say? Um, Emery sometimes corrects me because it sounds better. That's why he's here. Number 5. We'll know if Miami is for real in the next three weeks because they've got North Carolina coming up. They've got uh, the bigger part of their schedule. I think that they are, but it's going to be really interesting to see um, what this team really is. They look like they have a really good offensive line. Their offense is high-flying. They've only played one real tough opponent, and they kind of worked them in A&M. So I do think that they are for real, but we will see over the, the coming weeks because they've got North Carolina and Clemson after Georgia Tech this week. So in about three weeks, I think you're going to see who Miami really is. Yeah, Georgia Tech, man, that's been a struggle. Uh, Haynes King's been very hit or miss just in general. That's been uh, a tough watch at times. But, uh, yeah, I mean, UNC here in uh, a couple weekends ought to be a, a great little showdown. Clemson, as you mentioned, unranked Clemson, yeah, um, which is pretty strange. But, yeah, Miami's got an opportunity to, to shoot right on up there into the top ten uh, and then the next month, and then, you know, Virginia ought to be a game that they take care of pretty easily. So easy to see them, I mean, baseline going two and two here. Um, but can they get one of those two ranked games in this next month? Um, and then, yeah, you get into the, the last couple of weeks, and we'll see where they are at that point. But that, that Florida State game could be monstrous if things fall the right way, but that's still a, a long ways out. Yeah, FSU with Miami and uh, Florida and their schedule in – Two times, that's two of the last three games is nerve-wracking. Mm-hmm. It's very nerve-wracking. Uh, although LSU and Clemson in the first month, same thing, I guess. Uh, so, uh, number four, speaking of Clemson and unranked, they can play spoiler. Look, they're not, to get back into the league race, they're going to have to have everybody else lose two or three times. And those teams that lose three times have to be the ones that beat them. So it's going to be tough for them. But if you look at their schedule, they've got Miami, who's very much in the race. They've got North Carolina, who's very much in the race. And then outside of that, they have Notre Dame, who already has a loss that they could beat and take them out of the national championship picture. So Clemson, I think for them future-wise to grow, that's the role they probably need to embrace right now. Look, they did not play well against Duke. There's no 
doubt about that. They do not have playmakers, but this is still an extremely good uh, good team that has good coaches. Uh, Garrett Riley's figured out how to run that offense in spite of not having those playmakers, and their defense is legit. They've got two guys who will be starting NFL linebackers next year that will just cut your head off, not to mention a good secondary and a good front. So, yeah, they're not Clemson of old, but they can still rock your world uh, if you're not careful. Yeah, I think anybody just pushing them off as like just some average Joe is making a critical mistake. Uh, yeah, they're still the Clemson Tigers, and you know I understand with the transfer portal and various changes and whatnot, and just the fact that hey, not every year you have Deshaun Watson or Trevor Lawrence or whatever. Not the quarterbacks necessarily that issue number one, but yeah, they're still plenty talented. The point being, still well coached, and it's not quite what it was during their their heyday just a few years ago but it's still better than most out there. So, yeah, they can absolutely uh, ruin some dreams here over the next few weeks. Number three, Louisville's a contender right now. They they can they can hang around. I think ultimately they'll probably get got, as they say, but this is a, a much better team than I think people realized. I think that Jeff Brown has got something going there, and having a quarterback that knew his system in Jack Plummer kind of backwards and forwards uh, has helped them out a lot. Uh, so Louisville's a team you got to watch out for, and if they're not a contender, they can certainly play spoiler. Um, I just hope for their sake they're not what Syracuse was last year where you started like a house on fire and then you start playing the, the meat and potatoes your schedule and get, and get rolled. Yeah, they just haven't played anybody yet. Yeah. I mean, they played uh, Georgia Tech and won by five. They destroyed Murray State. They won by a touchdown against Indiana, beat up Boston College, and then edged out NC State on the road. It's a good win. But uh, Notre Dame this weekend, we'll see You know what's what, uh, I think, pretty quickly with the Irish. And so, yeah, if they go toe-to-toe with them, then – um, that'll be, you know, on national television in front of, you know, the entire country. And we'll, we'll see on Saturday night, you know, how they stack up. But yeah, so far they've, I think fed on, you know, some inferior competition, but they've, I mean, not to take away from what they've done, especially with the coaching change and all of that. Um, good for them, but not only Notre Dame coming up, but Duke a couple of weeks after that. Uh-huh. So Louisville's about to get tested in a major way and, and how they come out on the other side of that. We might be talking a heck of a lot more about them and especially if they are for real and they get you know through that or split that or whatever, they've got more at the end of the schedule. Yes, so there's, yeah. there's a lot of big games for them potentially coming up. Top 10 game with Notre Dame, as you mentioned. Duke, of course, has had a nice run. Miami, wherever they might be by the time they play the next to the last game. And then Kentucky in the rivalry game, mm-hmm. who right now is very good. So, yeah, that's a nice little opportunity for Louisville to stay right on top of the conversation or, or kind of lose ground. Number two. How will Duke fare without Riley Leonard? And I would think that they're going to be without him for at least one game. Now, they have a bye this week, which worked out well for them. And then they play NC State the week after, and that team is is changing quarterbacks and kind of trying to figure out who they are right now. And that was uh, that's one of those transfer portal misses that they got in Brennan Armstrong, the former UVA quarterback yeah, who had a good year a couple years ago. Good, but yeah. he's just not been good in Dave Doran's offense. And so that – you know they're going to MJ Morris uh, is there as their starter, but on October 21st they start a a stretch of playing Florida State, Louisville that you just mentioned, uh, Wake Forest, North Carolina, and if his 
ankle is hurt as badly as it looked. And they're saying, look, it's week to week, which is what you say, but it's a high ankle sprain. If they don't have him for those key games, then they could find themselves out of the race. But we'll see how they do because their offense is not prolific. Their defense is really prolific and really good and really tough. But if they don't have Riley Leonard, who's the engine that makes the offense go, it might put them behind the eight ball, which is really unfortunate because Riley Leonard has been really good for them. He's an excellent quarterback and can win games for you, but not having him there is going to be tough. That was uh, terrible to see the other night. I mean, that was just the very really, end of the game. Yeah, yeah, it was really awful in a game that tight and, you know, just an ugly injury uh, the way it looked at first. Um, I'm just glad it's not worse. I mean, yep. because certainly that could have been, you know, the worst type of injury that you could have gotten. So the fact that there's even like this air of, you know, could he, um, you know, come back, I think is awesome news and the best you could have hoped for given the feeling on Saturday night. So, yeah, I mean, that's a big blow for them, but they still will have a great defense. You know, they're still going to be super well coached. And I think that, uh, that, you know, they'll be fine in the long run, but it certainly takes a lot of the, the air out of the sails well, that you won't have your guy at quarterback. Yeah, and look, he's not only obviously he's the leading passer, he's the quarterback, he's also their leading rusher. So, yeah. like, he is their offense right now. So they're going to have to find something else uh, <laughs> while he's on the mend. But the fact that that's not a season-ending injury, which it certainly looked like it could have been yeah, when it happened, sure. is, is really good news for Duke. But high ankle sprains are – they're tricky little – Injuries. That- now, that, that sometimes, it, yeah, you think about that. That's because you just never know when you're going to get over it. And I'm going to go back to this. Sam Hartman waited for him uh, outside the tunnel when Leonard was coming out of the tunnel after the injury, I think after the game. And I wanted to throw this out again. Craig and I discussed this yesterday. Have you seen the five-minute video clip behind the scenes with the coordinators also on the headsets of their comeback no, You're wins? the second person today who's asked me if I have, I'm and I'm definitely going to watch it. Like, I'm I, I don't give right recommendations now. a lot, but no, you need to watch it. It, like, is, you know, it is very intense. It's not the – I mean, I can't speak to every college's video departments and all of that, but it's about as good as I've ever seen. I mean, in terms of the just the cameras and all of that, but the – way that they and I'm sure there's more official business terms for but the way that they have the coaches headsets like ingrained in the uh the the flow of the video and all of that and you just feel the big moments and the calls as they're happening and and the way that they just do it very seamlessly it's it's a really cool video and really great insight into what all was going down in crunch time um, without revealing too much you know but just revealing enough to give you a, a perspective of feeling like you were there in the heat of the moment it's it's awesome you got to check it out if you're a college football it, fan. it almost sounds again and i'm not comparing it to fighter uh, uh pilots fighter pilots but it has that kind of like microphone sound to it it's really good well done and if you're a college football fan whether you like notre dame or not or duke you need to go and listen to it because it's great so go find it up i just go under maybe under notre dame's football uh, Twitter feed. All right, Garrett, Garrett Rock. Whoa, whoa. Well, it was number two. I'm sorry, sorry, I kept number thinking. Number two. Yeah, we talked too long. Sorry. Number one. The conference is is more wide open uh, than ever right now. I mean, you you see. Um, you know, resurgent Florida State team, Clemson, Yari with the two losses. Duke, uh, if they can navigate through with Riley Leonard, North Carolina, Miami, uh, you know, Louisville is obviously still a contender for it right now. So there are there are opportunities in this conference to to flip the script on what it's been for for quite a while. We'll see what happens. But the ACC, look, I know it's not as interesting or sexy as the Pac-12, and it's it's not. But with the SEC being down this year and, and maybe not as prolific, 
I think that you've got uh, stories around the country, and the ACC is one of them that to, to follow for a little while here that'll keep you interested in, in in the nationwide race and not just the, you know, what's been for like, well, who's the SEC going to get in this thing? There's a lot of interesting things going on. The ACC is one of them right now because North Carolina is a really good team that hasn't lost yet. Miami's a really good team that hasn't lost yet, and so on and so forth. I mean, uh, this is the case around the entire country, is it not? I mean, as far yeah. as the Power Five goes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's the no- SEC doesn't have Alabama. I mean, I know Georgia, but Georgia doesn't look like they're just going to destroy everybody per se. Yep. I mean, there's there's a reason to believe that Georgia can be got, um, I guess is, is a better way to say it. And there's a reason to believe Alabama can be got. So I think the SEC is, is – um, is wide open, uh, and that there's not just somebody perched atop that's like, how in the world can you possibly beat them? The Big 12 is, you know, Texas and Oklahoma right now, but I think it's pretty wide open as we sort of get into the meat of the schedule. Um, the Pac-12 obviously is a wide open race as well. I mean, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun league races as all the conference slates are starting to spike up, and uh, certainly that's the case in the ACC. All right, Paul, thank you very much, and also thanks to TexasBeefHouse.com for their sponsorship of the Top 5. Garrett Ross, we appreciate you. Emery, Levi, Owen, Jack, and more. Tomorrow we're right back at it. We'll have more coverage on that Texas OU game Saturday. Obviously, Baylor, Texas Tech, but all the other great college games. And even look at what happens tonight with the college games being played and then tomorrow. For Paul Catalina and Craig Smoke, our great sponsors, thanks to everybody on the text line and also who listen online, app, or watch, and the chat room. Good night. This is 365 Sports. Ideal MRI is a small family business right here in Central Texas. We're open to support you while lowering the cost of health care bills. When you need an MRI, ask your doctor for an Ideal MRI. Visit us at IdealMRI.com or call us at 833-IDEAL-MRI. 